Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. So, we've got a lot for you today. Doug and I will be talking about two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Battle Lines, and The Storyteller. Plus, Alexandria will be joining us for the space news, and she's actually bringing in some space news to talk about for the first time ever. So I'm very excited about this. I also wanted to share with you that the second episode of my new web series on YouTube, Mercury Rising, is out. Uh, It's like a sci-fi space news comedy parody thing. I'm very excited about it. I feel like this one came out very funny. I, you know, (laughs) I'm sure someone will listen to this and go watch and be like, this is not funny. But then someone else will be like, this is funny. So who knows? I feel weird saying something is funny because it's so subjective. Um, But I think it's funny. I hope you'll check it out. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast or you can find it at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. Okay, let's jump into the space news with Alexandria. Space news! Right now? (laughs) (laughs) jesse yeah are you ready for some space news i'm so ready so this is super old and i know it's going to be old for everyone but i wanted to tell you this i thought i had sent this link to you and apparently i did not no i don't even know what we're going to talk about great so here we go the first major meteor shower in months will soon peak The Lyrid meteor shower will bring 15 to 20 shooting stars per hour on the night of April 22nd, um, April 21st into the early hours of April 22nd. Yes, this is old, you guys. Here's (laughs) the reason why I'm going to read. I'm going to read more of this and then I'm going to talk. Okay. Springtime stargazers have plenty to look for this month, including a meteor shower and the rare opportunity to see a comet. The wide variety of astronomy events this month will be great for people looking to spend some time outside under the night sky, including families with young children, (laughs) as they will not require any special equipment apart from a blanket, warm clothes, and a clear sky. The Lyrid Meteor Shower. I'm pretty sure it's like Lyrid, but I like Lyrid better. Cool. Um, April 22nd is known around the world as Earth Day, and the global event will kick off with a light show from Mother Nature as the Lyrid Meteor Shower reaches its peak so i know that normally like you will like read the article and be like what do you think of that yeah but, like you have i'm not giving you a way to form an opinion on this because it doesn't matter because guess what jesse <laughs> what i saw oh. one of the shooting stars oh wow so i uh went out to check my mail um in late april and i was i was on marco polo with sarah as i was walking to my um my mailbox i was i was like looking around i'm very and it's midnight it was like or 1 a.m in the morning and like no one is around i that's when i go check my mail in the middle of the night and so i was very hyper vigilant about being outside and i look up just as a shooting star went by wow and i caught it and it was so bright and so beautiful that i like and i had sarah on marco polo with me just in case anything happened yeah and i full-on gasped i was like <gasps> <laughs> 
I just saw a shooting star. Wow. And then I went back inside the house and Googled it to see if it was really real or if I just saw like somebody's flare or somebody, something stupid. But it was, no, it was a for real meteor shower and I saw a shooting star. Wow. That's awesome. Are you into like space things like that where you get to see stars and like, Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Well, it's funny that you asked me that because we were also recently talking like off of the podcast we were talking about the uh the moon what was it the yeah. super super pink moon super pink moon cuz you you've had a couple of spacey experiences recently i have tell and us about this pink moon cuz this was super cool oh okay. and the, and saturn too right yes oh that was another link that i sent you yeah. so like okay so both of these i have um kind of a a, a job it's like a day job but it's not a day job i don't get very many hours so and it's at night <laughs> and it's at night and it's overnight for the most part so i end up working overnight and um it's for a company that helps um the blind and and low vision communities and connects them with agents and then we just do whatever they ask us to do so uh one of my explorers called in and was and was looking had his camera pointed at the moon and said hey, I hear there's a really big moon tonight. Do you mind taking a picture? And I was like, I will absolutely take a picture. You know, just want to let you know that it may or may not be the, like the moon, like the big moon that we can see with our naked eye because cameras are not really good with that. Yeah. Um, hold on. I'm going to look up super pink moon while I'm talking about it. But um, okay. super pink moon 2020. Um, and so, okay, that was April 7th. So, uh, so I was looking at the moon. And I was like, yo, this moon is really big. And then um, went outside myself and got to see the big, it wasn't as big then, but I still loved it. It was super full. Yeah. Um, but the super pink moon, it says, April super pink moon is the biggest full moon of 2020. Here's what to expect on Tuesday, April 7th at 2.08 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. The moon will arrive at its closest point to Earth in 2020, a distance of 227,772 miles away. Well, that's actually really close. Yeah. And eight hours and 35 minutes later, the moon will, the moon will officially be full. So that was yeah. pretty great to be able to like see and witness it. And I know that Jesse and I love them. Actually, I didn't know Jesse loved the moon as much as I did. Well, this is when we found out about each other's moon love. Because yes. I, uh, so I didn't know the pink moon was happening. This is why I don't report things on the Space Nerds podcast before they happen. Because I usually like catch it too late. But anyway, <laughs> I had not heard about the pink moon. And I just happened to be out walking my dog on a clear night when the pink moon was happening. And... So the pink moon is not actually pink. It's just the closest yeah. full moon of the year, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Okay, good. I think that's what the pink means. Yeah. And I wouldn't have even been able to tell you what a pink moon was before this happened. But I just happened to be outside and I like looked up at the moon. I was like, holy shit, the moon is huge. It's so yeah. big and it's so clear. And like you can see every detail with the naked eye and it was so bright. And I was just like completely captivated by it because then i just got start thinking about the fact like that is like a planet like that's well, a moon. well it's a moon you know it's our moon like we're a planet that's a moon we're seeing it like that floats in space above us and yeah. i just think about what people must have thought it was you know back before we had science and they're just like i don't know but <laughs> but it's there you know yeah and that's where like a lot of religion comes from is people looking up in the sky and being like i don't understand and it's you know making up stories yeah. that feel right to them sure um, or like myths that turn to like religions and belief structures and all, all just revolving around the fact that like we can look up in the sky and see actual space like we can see celestial bodies and i i'm 
obsessed with it. I think it's just the coolest thing. Someday I want to have enough money to get like a bitchin' telescope. <laughs> yeah, bitchin' telescope. <laughs> um, and then the next one of that same in that same vein, which happened the week after. Right. Same kind of way that happened. I got a phone call and uh, uh, an explorer was like, hey, will you take a picture of this moon for me and let me know what's happening? And it said, you can see the moon shine with Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars before dawn this week. Here is how. On the 14th, it was... Hold on, scrolling. (laughs) Jupiter. On the 15th, it was Saturn. And on the 16th, it was Mars. And just this huge glowing moon with a very twinkly planet right off the, uh, like at its two o'clock. I saw saw the moon in Saturn and that was, um, it was at like two o'clock on a clock. So you saw like the rings of Saturn with your naked eye? No, no, no. I saw the moon and I saw a twinkly planet at its Uh, two o'clock. And then when I Googled it, it was Saturn. I didn't see see none of that. Mm -mm. Didn't you say something about like seeing a picture where you could see the rings or something? No, I, I was able to pull the picture up. I took a picture and was able to blow it up close enough to see that it was a twinkly planet. But oh, not like, okay. you know how photos are really bad of, yeah. of space? Like, I could see, like, a clear right. twinkly star, if you will. Not like... Gotcha. I couldn't gotcha. see no rings. I wish I could have seen some For rings. S- my memory was that you'd seen rings, and I was super jealous. So I tried of to see that. Not. I tried to see that, and it was uh, too cloudy. Cloudy, yeah. We didn't, have, we, we didn't have any visibility of that, but... yeah. A whole bunch of just, I mean, the world may be in complete pandemic, but space and nature is living its best life right now. Yeah. And if you, if you keep up with, you know, stargazing stuff and you're not hearing about it now for the first time after all this has happened, (laughs) um, there, there's like so much happening all the time that you can look for in the sky and it's all of that just like completely fascinates me. And I've really like my, my love of the moon has really deepened. I was never someone who thought of myself as like, I really love the moon, but now I'm like, man, that is like our moon. That's the, the, the thing that we get to look up and see. And what if we lived on another planet? Like maybe if we lived on like one of the moons of Saturn right. and then Saturn was what was in our sky and you could just look up and see like this planet with these rings. I mean, that would be, so gorgeous you know yeah but like the moon is great i'm not complaining we have an i'm awesome not complaining moon. either yeah well and if, and if we want to do something just to make sure that people listening can actually do something about it the next uh article that i pulled up says may 7th flower moon will be the last super moon of 2020 Ooh, tell me more so we have another one coming up <laughs> You might be uh, calling all sky watchers, it says. You might be interested to know that the last supermoon of 2020, dubbed the Flower Moon, is expected to appear this week. Stargazers can catch the supermoon May 7th when it will be opposite the sun starting at 6.45 a.m. Eastern. I'll be awake. I'm always awake. (laughs) I will not. That is 3 a.m. I'll be way awake. I can go check that out if if it's not cloudy. The mains, sorry, the main like the state, the Maine Farmer's Almanac states that the Algonquin tribes named the May supermoon due to the abundance of flowers that are typically seen this time of year. Mm. It is also known as the corn planting moon and the milk moon. That's cool. Mm. It also corresponds with the, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Veshek holiday that is observed by Buddhists all across Asia, according to NASA. This holiday celebrates the birth enlightenment birth, enlightenment, and death of Gautama Buddha. I'm so sorry, Buddhist, if I pronounced that person's name wrong. The flower moon will be the last in a series of four supermoons in 2020. 
And if you want to witness the last moon of the year, the best time to see it will be at 6.45 a.m. Eastern on Thursday, May 7th. It will appear. Oh, my gosh. Will this be released in time? Because if not, yeah, then yeah. oh, well, because this is going to come out either it. tonight or well, this is going to come out tomorrow and it's the fourth right now. So it'll come out on the fifth. Hey, yeah. good. People will be able to. Um, and then you can also utilize the Farmer's Almanac moonrise and moonset calculator to ensure the optimal time for visibility in your area wow well that's exciting so we have one more giant moon to look forward to absolutely and they will miss this one but jesse you you might not uh the super moon on may 7th will cap off a dazzling week of celestial displays a meteor shower from Halley's comet is expected to peak on the mornings of may 5th wow. and 6th Ooh. Now, see this is like I love all this stuff and getting to see stuff like this is absolutely incredible. But what I don't like is getting up early. (laughs) (laughs) And what I don't like is bad weather making it so you can't see anything. Oh, true. Let me see what our weather's going to be. It's like, it's a world that I haven't delved into super deep because I I take it very casually because it's like, if, if I happen to see something that's incredible and if I know to look, I'll look. Yeah. But like I don't generally set my clock by it because the disappointment is rife in yeah. there, you know, if you don't get to see anything. That makes total sense. Yeah. Imagine like setting your alarm to get up at the butt crack of dawn, literally the butt crack of dawn to not see anything at all except clouds. I know, it'd be very disappointing. Yeah. Well it's so fu- you have so much spacey information and you didn't even Talk about the one article that I remember you sending me. <laughs> oh, I know, because that was for another one. That's okay, what, we'll this save was it. the one that I wanted to do. This was the yeah. one I wanted to do first because I thought I got to see it with my own eyes. Like I got to yeah. see a meteor shot or whatever that totally. was, a falling star, shooting star. Yeah, I remember how excited you were when you saw the the moon and, and um Saturn. Yeah. I it's so funny because like you're someone that I didn't think of as as like a space nerd or a sci-fi nerd at all. It's true. It's true. I didn't think of myself as that either. Yeah. And then you kind of are, but just didn't know it. And we're still learning all the depths of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I am. Yeah. (laughs) It's just interesting to me because I've always loved moon stars, Milky Way, Celestial, like Aurora Borealis, like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I just didn't know that that it counted as like, I mean, obviously it's in space, but but, but I thought like, Space news is being like, or space nerdism is being like sci-fi. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I think it's both. That's sci-fi. that's the theory behind this podcast is that I think it's both. I think that like oh, yeah. part of well, science fiction can be completely not spacey. Like right. Terminator is great science fiction, but not about space. You know. Right. But for me, like I really love spacey science fiction because I love space. Yeah. Because like I am the crossover. And I, I'm true. hoping there's other people out there like that. And that's I'm why just I'm just wondering this when podcast. you're ever going to start to read Red Rising so that you and I can. Oh, I should. It. I'm like, I've just been thinking, I need a book to read recently. You like, totally have the time I, now. I haven't read a book in a long time because of the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like taking up that's all serious. of my, like, get in bed and want to do something time at yeah. the end of the day. And, like, some days I shouldn't be playing Dead Cells before I'm trying to go to sleep because, like, that should that get your heart pounding. Like, yeah, that doesn't sound like something that you would want to do. But it's so good. It's so good. That game is amazing. I mean, I'm also not judging you at all because I definitely went to bed this morning at 6 because that's where my sleep schedule is. Set an alarm for 9 so that I can get up and find out what Tim and Tommy were 
buying turnips for on my island <laughs> in animal crossing in animal crossing yes so well that's awesome no, no judgment here well i love when yeah. you bring when you bring the space news that's so cool that's the space news that's Ooh. the space news your sign off is better than mine <laughs> no it's not hold on <laughs> And that's the space news. Nice. Ooh. <laughs> Wait, give me one with some juice. And that's the space news. Yeah, we're not going to beat that. <laughs> space news! All right, my friends, it is Doug Space Nine time. So, this conversation was originally streamed on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Sci-Fi on December 21st, 2018. We'll be talking about two episodes from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Battle Lines, and The Storyteller. Here we go. Are you sure you want to start streaming? <laughs> this is Time Travel Jesse. I'm going back <laughs> as you're about to do your first stream. Are you, Are you sure, sure you want to start streaming? streaming? Yeah, my streaming software is like slightly judgmental about the quality of what I'm about to do. Isn't there any other path you can yeah. take in life right now? It's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? All right, you ready? Here we go. Three, four. Doug Space Nine. 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 I'm going the whole song this time. Doug Space Nine. I like how you say you're going the whole song. Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Hello. We're here. What's up? Sorry we're late. It's my fault. Fault. It was definitely my fault this time. Hey, Rock and RC. What's up, Max Lazinski and Amanda? Of course, Amanda. I'm. What, let's see what Amanda was hanging in chat before we got here. What was happening? What did I miss? Gambling with the devil. Oh yeah, gambling. We got some space flights. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, we have an in-chat currency called Power Crystals, which is, it's like a combination of dilithium crystals and kyber crystals. And we know that they should be called latinum. Yeah. They can power both both warp speed engines and a lightsaber, mm. basically. That's that's not a good explanation of what's happening, <laughs> but that is what's happening. Dabo, yes, I love that we had Dabo, we had yeah, that yeah. last week or it's, two weeks ago, whatever. Three weeks ago. Well I'm outside smoking, I always try to make up chat commands. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, and you did command Dabo and I liked it so much that we added it. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> All right, what are we doing? Welcome. Welcome. Hi there. <laughs> Welcome to Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. This is like our. Th- I'm Doug. This is Space Nine. I'm Space Nine. <laughs> is this our sixth or fifth? Seventh. Seventh. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think so. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So we got started a little late today. I my I had to reboot my computer because as like two minutes before we're about to start streaming, it's like yeah, the new Windows update is here. Would you like us to restart? And I've learned from experience that if you don't do that, the Dude, stream crashes like every time. <laughs> yeah, and it gets really aggressive about rebooting it. Yeah, totally. Like something about streaming software and Windows needing to reboot is a bad combination. So I just rebooted nice. to be safe. And here we are. We're here. We're here. Uh, good to see you guys. So we're talking about two episodes, as always. We're mm-hmm. talking about Battle Lines and The Storyteller. Yeah, and you um, seem to think these are two dogs. Well, The Storyteller, I have some fond feelings towards, even though I still think it's a terrible episode. <laughs> but Battle Lines, to me, is just, like, a massive dud. Yeah. Like, Battle Lines is the only episode so far all season that I just did not like. I, I have such mixed feelings about both of these episodes. I don't know. Well, okay, let's start with that. Why do you why, why do you think uh, it's such a dud? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> do we want to do you want to summarize? We're getting into it, I guess. Okay, yeah. Let, 
Like, that's basically a 35-minute question you just asked me. Um, okay, so, so yeah, this is the episode where you have two warring factions on this planet, the Ennis and the Null Ennis, is that what they're called? Yep. Uh, and then Kaiopaka's having these visions of needing to go through the wormhole, or, like, there's prophecies regarding her, so she begs Benjamin Sisko to take her across uh, to go through the wormhole, and they end up finding these two warring factions, the Ennis and the Null Ennis. One of them, you know, the leader of, of one of which is played by Jonathan Banks, who I love from yeah. everything he's ever been in except for this because <laughs> it's a terrible script. And basically it's your classic Star Trek scenario of like these two warring factions are have been fighting for so long that they don't remember why they're fighting. The big twist on this one being that no one on this planet can die because of these you know, micro robots that are nanites. living. Land, nan, thank you. <laughs> micro robot nanites. <laughs> nanites is the word for that. I know micro robots fighting. is something that I was saying because I couldn't remember the word <laughs> nanites, but I appreciate you being there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they these nanites are keeping everyone alive who are a part of this, and it's just like this classic, you know, war is stupid story. Right. Uh, that's the summary. Let's take something and let's exaggerate it to a huge degree to try to examine it. It's like a, you know, like satire parody where you either zoom in close or you blow something up real big. Right. This to me is sort of like uh, uh, zooming in real close, like boiling a war down and saying like, look, this is a pointless thing so then we can talk about the pointlessness of uh, right. war and death and fighting. I, you know, as I get older, I get more frustrated by this plot line because it happens so many times in Star <laughs> Trek. Like, let's just see how many we can think of off the top of our heads. Sure. You have uh, this this war. <gasps> Donovan, holy crap, dude. Donovan with a 999 super chat. Wow. Oh my god, dude, thank you so much. Wow, I really appreciate that. My school just got off break, so I gotta watch it. Oh my god, thank you so much, Donovan. <laughs> you I make really it sound that. like homework. <laughs> <laughs> my school just got off break, so I gotta watch you. <laughs> Yay, now we get a little dance party and see. Doug never gets to see this. Look, we can... Doug, look at look at this! Look at this! It's a Nyan Cat oh, yeah. Space Nine. <laughs> it's my favorite GIF on the internet. <laughs> Dude, Donovan, thank you so much. That is so kind of you. I like that. Wanted to wish profit. you a great winter. My school desk off break. Oh man, I really appreciate that. You are awesome. Thank you. Okay, so do you think he lives in the wormhole? Uh, yeah, def I never thought about it, but Donovan Prophet, probably a wormhole alien. alien. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you ask him how the show you, turns out. Are you one of the prophets? <laughs> Donovan, the singer, is actually <laughs> one of the prophets from the Bajoran faith. It's a hurdy-gurdy, man. Oh, yeah, That's man, sometimes problem. the commands take a while, take a while to, to kick in for some reason. Um... Oh yeah, and Amanda said we're not even going to talk about Discovery first. Okay, <laughs> this is this is why the Ennis and the Nolanists are fighting. <laughs> They're arguing over yeah. is Discovery season one the best Star Trek season? Totally. Season this is how this the beginning of that conflict that they don't remember is this conversation, about. and it's Doug and I not being able to agree on Star Trek <laughs> Discovery being shit. <laughs> so I'm the Ennis, you're the Null Ennis, yeah. obviously. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm the Ennis. I'm the Ennis. No, I'm the I'm the Ennis, and I'm you're the Null Ennis. I'm the Ennis. Now, and then like a thousand years of war. <laughs> we're just okay. We're the name. <laughs> What's up, Dingo Prime? Welcome. So, in the original series, you have that classic episode where there's the guys that have like one half of their face is white and one half of their face is black, <laughs> right. and the other half's like, no, we hate them because the other they're switched over, and like that's the big turn of the episode. Right. And it was kind of you know. 
it was really interesting for the time. It was kind of like a groundbreaking idea to like point out that maybe wars can be pointless. Right. And that episode has a lot of value, even though it is like completely ridiculous when you watch it in a modern setting. It's just like like the acting is so over the top. It's the guy that plays the Riddler in the original Batman series, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank Gorshin? Is, Frank Gorshin. Is that his name? All I can think of was Neil Gorsuch, right? and I'm like, wait, no, he's the Supreme, <laughs> Supreme Court Justice. He would do a great job as the Riddler. You know, Trump you know. would appoint the Riddler to the Supreme Court. <laughs> That's not surprising at all. Um, anyway, so yeah, that episode is the first I can think of, and then you have the one with Riva in Star Trek The Next Generation, mm-hmm. where he's mediating this dispute between these two factions that have been fighting so long they don't remember why anymore. Right. Oh, uh, first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, you have the the one where that guy gets older and older. <laughs> no, no, wait, he starts older, he Benjamin Buttons. He right, gets right, younger he gets and younger. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he is responsible for giving arms to one side in this war that's been going on for so long that they right. don't even remember why. You know what I love about that episode is that is like a direct, to me, I know it's not in the script, but it feels like a direct response to a, a, an original series episode where Kirk basically hands out guns to people and is like, well, you know, everyone's got guns now, so good fucking luck. Whoa, I don't remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, which episode is that? I don't remember which particular one. But I saw that and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's <laughs> fucked up. Um, you do like this episode for removing this Kai from the storyline to make room for the political stories for Bajor. Yeah, that's fair. Great point. So I forgot to mention that in the... Uh, that's a pretty big deal in this episode right. is that Kai Oba- Opaka dies short on this Kai. planet. Uh, short Kai. <laughs> Uh, best Kai. Best Come Kai. On. Sweet best Kai. Sweet Kai. Kai Opaka, total best Kai. My favorite Kai. They're both grandmothers, but one grandmother is the one you're like, I don't want to go to her house. She's got stuff. I never thought of Kai Opaka as a grandmother at all. I well, thought of her as like, older women. like a badass congresswoman. You know? <laughs> like, Kai Opaka is like a, like a young Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's. Mm, okay. No, yeah. that was wrong. She's just awesome. I really like Kai Opaka. She's like. I just. She looks like someone who so wants great. to bake me Bajoran apple pie. <laughs> she reminds me so much of Kathy Najimy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But like a, a much calmer Kathy Najimy. Yeah, 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 like yeah. If, if Hocus Pocus was a way more laid back movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, Kai Opaka is a fantastic character. You meet her in, you know, the, the an emissary, the pilot. And she's the one who, like, feels Cisco's ear, and she's like, I can feel your pa. And she just kind of oozes out spirituality. Feel <laughs> You're feeling Chat's pa. Oh. Can you feel Chat's pa? Chat's pa. Oh. <laughs> you have a good pa. Um, she... <sighs> There's something about her I like so much, and she kind of grounds the Bajoran faith for me, mm-hmm. and she makes the whole idea of like being religious on Bajor make sense. On the rewatch, I was surprised that she dies in her second appearance in the series. I know, right? She, because, because of, I think, what you're saying of how important she always felt in my memory to the show and to everything yeah. that comes after. Totally. I thought that she was a huge part of I, season one. I was I like, know. what? She dies right away? Wow. She, okay. she leaves an indelible impression. Yeah. Like so quickly, and I I love this character, and that's a big part of why is because she's barely around. Yeah. I mean, we will see the actress again, and I won't say how because that's a you know if you're in case you're watching for the first time. She says um, I'll see you again. Yeah, but it's not even her. I know, but I'm just saying. Like I spoiled it. Our... I'm gonna spoil it. Fuck it. Okay, spoilers. So uh, <laughs> is it is it related to you, the time hole worm? You aliens? see her again in in vision in Cisco's visions when he's in the wormhole and he's talking to the prophets. She right. like represents, I think, his spiritual aspect. Yeah. When he's like a wormhole alien person, right. uh, so we do see the actress again. But 
I, her character dies and then is brought back to life by these nanites. Right. And then, uh, and then decides of her own free will that she'd rather stay instead right. of trying to figure out how to get these nanites out so she can leave the planet. Right. It's like the big turning, like one of the big turning points of this episode is when you discover that um, no one can leave this planet because these nanites are uh, environment specific. Oh, so right. if they were, if anyone who's been killed on this planet and those nanites like flood your system when you die and then reanimate you basically, and then you have a zombie war for all of time. Right. Uh, if, if that happens to you, you can never leave this planet again. So that happens to Kaiopaka, but she had already decided to stay because she had had some prophecies or visions or whatever. That was one of the things that bugged me about this. Is yes, that me too. They don't, Give you, she mentions the prophecy, and when you rewatch it, you can see, like, oh, right, she's steering all of this to get her somewhere. She doesn't know where, but she knows she has some prophecy to fulfill. Right. And that's why she wants to have uh, Benjamin take her through the wormhole. That's why she wants to do these things. That's why she eventually stays. And she frequently mentions how, oh, prophecy works in mysterious ways. <laughs> but they don't ever tell you what her prophecy was, which I feel like is kind of a cop-out. I think I know yeah. what they were going for of the show-don't-tell kind of thing. But I also feel like they were like, I don't know what the fuck kind of fake prophecy we're going to make that tells her she has to do this. You that know, doesn't sound silly. The idea of prophecy always is really hard for me to deal with in stories. Like, when you add in a prophecy, then you are adding in this, like, element of expectation that feels manufactured. Mm-hmm. This show does a brilliant job of using prophecy. Like, right. I, I love what Deep Space Nine do, does with prophecy. Later. I think prophecy used well can be, like, so compelling. Right. But it is just used so much, and it's just so played out. Uh, but there are some examples of it that are truly really they well do done. better with prophecy actually you know what the best example i think of prophecy probably babylon 5 oh like, yeah yeah that's yeah, like yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, best yeah. examples of prophecy yeah. i've seen because it's planned out it's that's like yeah. that's that's where the like, we always and talk these about are so it. similar the, the idea of prophecy in these yeah they are kind of similar that's yeah interesting. but anyway like in this episode it's just kind of thrown out they're like oh these prophecies told me that i'm gonna be doing whatever right. but then she steers the situation like Doug said like she totally steers the situation she creates a situation where she ends up getting stuck on this planet and then decides to stay right. but like who knows if she read that prophecy right she could have I mean she made that situation happen right. it wasn't like an external situation happened accidentally right like she pushed to go through the wormhole and then she pushes to stay right um, she has this feeling that like this meaningless conflict is now where she's supposed to be right to try to mediate this conflict and that seems to her like this like calling or passion or whatever but she but she claims that it's the prophecy who drove her to do this and I really take issue with that because like she made those choices Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't like when characters strong I don't like when strong characters give up their choice in, in a story I don't like I like when someone fulfills a prophecy because they realize it's what they have to do in that scenario right and I feel like they they said that that's what was happening here but it just didn't feel like it made sense. Yeah, it's one of the. It's a part of my mixed feelings of this is that it's a, it's a weak spot. There's an opportunity to do something that they don't do anything with. Just yeah. like the the war analogy, not only is that something that's been done and they're not really adding anything to it, there was also an opportunity to do something about the nature of uh, punishment and criminal justice. But they don't. That's just completely ignored in this one. Right. You know, the, they the, brought up so many things that yeah. would be interesting if they were developed. Yes. And then they just... Just let it go. Pooped them out, and then it was over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I, don't buy Kyle Paca 
who, hold on a second, is like... <laughs> John is, Banks! I know, John Banks, he's great. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Pog is basically like the Pope of the Bajoran religion, and she literally just decides to leave. She's like, okay, well, now I'm stuck here on this planet. These people need my help. I'm never going back. Right. And she see, is the center it's because of the Bajoran faith on her planet. Well, see, this is why... It's, this right is, after the occupation, like a critical time where right. she is needed. Right. And like, her leaving makes way for Kai Wynn, who is a shitbag. You should have seen all the paperwork on her desk. That's why she's like, you know what? No, I'm going to go yeah. crash on a planet. Yeah. Kai, Kai Wen is an evil, opportunistic person who... I mean, I, I do have... I, I, such an incredibly well-written character and so well-performed, but, like, such a bad, like, person that well, it's kind of, like... I like that, though. I, I, I like it, too. Like, you, un- you don't unlayered like over it, time. Right. When you don't like a character uh, that's well-acted and well-written, that's it's a fun. good sign. Yeah, yes, That, that means agree. that it's working. Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm, again, like, spoilers for a character who's not even shown up yet, but I, I was just thinking about that this time, knowing that Kai Wen is going to take over and knowing that, like... Uh, the political situation that allowed Kai Wen to take over what existed before Okai Opaka left. Yeah, I and she would have been aware of it. I hadn't thought about that at all. That Kai Opaka is choosing to follow this prophecy in the midst of all of right. the upheaval on her planet. It'd be like Ruth Bader Ginsburg retiring, you know. And she's <laughs> while like Donald Trump fucking, is president. Uh, while Donald Trump is president, and she's a fucking hero, and <laughs> she's doing everything she can to not retire because she knows that she's like that she can't. So um, I, this is why. I, if they had just given some weight to the prophecy that she's following, if they had just explained it, if there had been some... You could have done it with a flashback where she gets a prophecy yes. from her wormhole alien prophets while she's a child. Yes. Something. Oh that, my god, that's perfect. You know what I mean? You could do... This is the Ugh. kind of thing you can solve in that's just like... already so much a, better. A couple of minutes, right? A couple and, of minutes, and that's an easy, cheap scene to shoot because it's in a white fucking room. Right, and you just get some kid to do it. Yep. Yeah. And it's... And, it, and it's... Who would be this tall? <laughs> yeah. Because what was Kai? <laughs> Kai Opaka she's a child. She's such a tiny lady. <laughs> she's adorable. Mm. But are, yes. you, are you short shaming Kai Opaka? No, I think she's cute. <laughs> I, I love Kai Opaka. Um, I, I think that that actress is like really pretty. Yes. Oh, but that would have fixed things. This would yeah. this this would have changed uh, the questions I had about the motivation. It wouldn't have fixed the core of the story. But the Kai Opaka is kind of the driving force behind the story and. If you're skipping episodes, some people do the like they engage in false trek where you skip episodes, which sure. you're not supposed to do. But if you're gonna skip this one, you can't skip because it uh, is. You know what I mean? Like it's horrible. Kai Opaka is right. in is in emissary, and then Kai Win comes later, and you would be watching it going, "What happened?" So yeah. you have to you have to at that least watch sucks. the first ten minutes. It is crucial for the story. Yeah, but man, is it like a? It's it's just a slog. I think my biggest problem with it is that it's it's. It's boring. Right. Like you, you have this conflict introduced that doesn't matter right. and goes nowhere. But it, which is the point of the conflict? Right. It is the point that it is pointless. Sure. But that does. But the episode doesn't need to be pointless. <laughs> right. You know, you have to be you have to be careful when you're doing something that's so nihilistic. You know, you have to give some other reason for it. And yeah. Mm. But Kai Wen isn't the only Kai after this. Oh, was there someone in between? I don't remember. Uh. I mean, the there's, Battle there's... of the Kai. Yeah, was someone else? I don't remember, actually. Well, don't tell me, because I'll be surprised when we watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, Vedic Burial's about to show up. Right. Which reminds me, so I... I oh, would... that's right, because she's, she's, she's Vedic Win. Vedic Win, that's right. right. Yeah, that's right, she's Vedic Win. Um, is it Vedic Burial who becomes Kai first? 
I don't remember. I don't remember yeah, I exactly remember. what happens. Oh, well, we're on a fun Kai journey. I uh, I've been really sick the last few weeks and playing a lot of Stardew Valley, and I just got a new coop full of rabbits, and I named them all after characters that have been in the first half of the first season of Deep Space Nine. So it was like Ty Kajada and Crodin <laughs> and May Hardu, Ibudan, Ibudan, and Ibudan's clone. <laughs> I just had to share that with you. So I'm really proud of it. And every time I go and pet my rabbits, it's like Ibudan, Ibudan's clone, <laughs> and then I have two void chickens that are named Gold Ducat and Kai. I win because they belong together. Oh, perfect. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm half chatting with Amanda as well. So yeah, for me, like the the execution of the battle is so lame, and it's just like not interesting and not fun to watch. Like the battle scenes are boring, and, and she's stupid. right. John Banks is the thing that is the only redeeming thing, or the main redeeming thing of the battle stuff of the of the. He's the only factions. thing that's interesting in a boring part of the show, and he is still pretty boring like he's he's a great actor i love him this is a bad i think this is a bad script i think that yeah. they like did not develop what they were doing very well yeah and because a really and, aggressively nihilistic episode with him right. also doing that kind of like it just doesn't matter you right know, that all could be good but yeah they, they the episode itself feels like oh you're right it right. doesn't matter i think for me also the the premise is too far-fetched. Like, you have people getting stabbed and shot, but everyone has all their limbs. And they just... Yeah, but... It, it would be... It'd be a Death Becomes Her situation, where they'd have, like, holes all over them by the end. Yeah, that's the other thing, is they clearly didn't think out the logic of this. Because I think yes. they show them with, like, oh, you're supposed to... I, I was picturing, like, he's missing his hair because his head's been singed off so many times. And he's just a human underneath that. Yeah, and then and they... we're in the fucking, like... We're in a different quadrant of the galaxy, and it's just more people that just look human. Well, you know, those progenitors, they've really got around. They got around, <laughs> Yeah. But then they see specifically mentions that they don't use energy weapons, which they then show them using later, but whatever. Um, oh, really? Or someone's using them. They fire shit at each other. Uh, but Energy they, weapons make more sense. Well, then he's he's saying that the, the Nolanists don't use them because they're not damaging enough. So they are implying right. that they're ripping each other apart violently with right. these things. It's been hundreds of years. It's not like someone hasn't lost a limb. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there'd be, like, pieces of people on the floor talking to you. Like, right. It just doesn't quite so work So to accept the premise. premise of the episode, you have to believe that, like, oh, if you burnt a body, because they can't have fire, so that also they're going to get reconstructed. Because otherwise, right. everyone would just throw the enemies into the fire pits. And already that's a better episode if the nanites, like, recreate your body so that if you get blown up, you, like, odo yourself back together. <laughs> right. You go, like, blah, 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 and, like, come back together <laughs> as nanites. So, and that's a better, I think that's already a better episode also. Like, with the Kaiwen flashbacks, this episode's already way better. We've, <laughs> we, we could totally fix this episode. Fixing V-Space and, and I think that's why it's so frustrating, because it, he's kind of easily fixable, and I think that... Like ways to make this episode better are pretty apparent, yeah. which means that it's probably not very good. You know, <laughs> yeah. And, the, and, and on top of it, the B story, which is directly tied to the A story, is uh, Dax and uh, O'Brien looking for everyone, right? And that is, it's mm, it's, it's the worst kind of Star Trek problem solving. <laughs> Where it's just like, hey, how about this thing? Well, I don't know. Well, why don't we try this other made-up thing? That didn't quite work. We're running out of time. Make up something else. And then he literally is like, oh, I just invented something that doesn't exist. That will yeah. solve the problem. He's like, it's a needle in a haystack. I need to make a trans-dimensional magnetomer or whatever that? it is. I'll find out when yeah, I finish like, building I'll it. I'll let you know when I finish building it. I will say that that B-plot 
for me was like infinitely more interesting than the A plot. And it's a terrible B plot. That's I, that's what's bad about this. I like that. Yeah, it's not great, but I really liked it. I was yeah. like, I this is just classic. You liked it because you were getting tortured by the A plot. Exactly. You yeah, it was like classic, like comforting Star Trek. And then you don't often see them, you know, just spending a lot of time in an L cars situation. Yeah. You know, like with yeah. the classic Federation. Uh, ship design, uh, like when they're on the runabouts, because you're on the Cardassian space station right, so much. Right, right, right. So it's just right, comforting right. to feel like you're back on oh, the Enterprise, you know, because yeah. you're on a, a runabout that looks like the Enterprise technology or yeah. classic Federation technology. That's interesting. So I really enjoyed those scenes, and I, I love both of those characters. I'm happy to see them do anything, even if it's pointless. And this show always does this with the, excuse me, with the. Uh, the techno babble where it's just like we'll make this thing up yeah we'll make that thing up right and i i don't i kind of tune some of that out i'll be a little honest like yeah i i know how they're getting from point a to point b with it and i know that if i try to unravel it with my mind it will break <laughs> yeah so i just kind of just tune out of that stuff a little bit mm-hmm. i'm like yeah well, random nonsense so they're gonna make a magnet to find them great right. I don't mind. In that, Star Trek, you know. it is very helpful if when they start throwing mushrooms at you, yeah. you're just like, that's mushroom stuff. That's just... Just hold on to it loosely with your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but if you had the ability to travel through space instantly through a mushroom network, you just accept it. You're just like, whatever, that's fine. That's just, it needs to be yeah. there for the story. Even though I do, like, sometimes tune some of that stuff out, if it snags on my brain, yeah, it it doubly bothers me. For me, it's whenever they actually talk about talk about computer related things with like files, right, and things like that, because it is so. It was bad for the time they were writing it, nineties, uh, you know, computer terminology. It's super bad now. It's just is yeah, so. It like, just doesn't. Well, make what if sense. we store it all in the one file? Or <laughs> what was the other one where they were like, but nobody would think if they accessed all the files at once, right? Yeah, just whatever nonsense they're saying. Yeah, when they like shut down the system by accessing every file. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like that stuff is like is fun for me, but the whole. Hey, what's up, Diego? Welcome. Hello. The, the whole idea of, like, the Ennis and the Null Ennis fighting and not being blown apart and, like, still looking relatively put together. Yeah. That made that made too little sense. So when when we got into the techno babble of that, my brain just couldn't get over it. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the the, the mycelial network and the spore drive. <laughs> like, it snagged so my brain. So to me, this episode doesn't do enough to make, to warrant the hand waving where I'm like I'm just watching you wave your hand now I'm not like oh yeah. you're right I'll look away I happen to think that in Discovery they wave their hands and I'm like ooh pretty yep wave L- look at the trails keep waving them hands he likes your cat shirt oh yeah it's a cat made of pizza ba, 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 ba. <laughs> and then I've got this is my oldest t-shirt Star Trek The Next Generation oh, I didn't it's got like it. holes in it I'm also wearing pizza oh my socks. god pizza socks very cool and I'm then, wearing Mom socks, but I'm not that flexible. And space. Oh, nice. So I'm space pizza and space pizza. Very cool. My mom knits, and I, all of my socks at this point are mom made. Aww. Happy birthday, mom! It's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Jess's mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and then I, I just really hate how they leave the Kai here. Like, I, we were kind of talking about prophecy and yeah. all that. It feels, it feels really dismissive of her people and her faith to, like, leave everyone that she knows and loves behind it. It kind of bothers me. Yeah, the 
that I'm fine with it. It bothers me that they didn't try to explain it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because again, this is something that I could have explained with like a with the prophecy. Whatever. Again, the hypothetical child prophecy here could have alleviated all of your concerns you have with that too. Yeah. Even the idea of like absolutely. You know, it, oh, someday you're gonna have to give all of this up for this other thing. You know what I mean? It's like the bones of it are there. You just have to kind of. You know, write something that sounds compelling for her. Yeah, you know, definitely. And then you could have it where she's actually a little bit more torn with what she's doing. It, she has no agency over her decision to change her everything about her life. So and it no, because here's the thing: is she, I believe that this is not uh, Kai Opaka just sort of randomly milling about. She is making these choices. She she is following a prophecy, but she is actively engaged in her life to facilitate what she views the conclusion of the prophecy will be, which includes going to Deep Space Nine, asking for a tour, asking to see the wormhole, getting into the ship, having the evil satellites talk to the, you know, oh, we're waiting for a response. And they're like, we'll just log it and deal with it later. She's like, aren't you going to go check it out now? Like, she's nudging them and her own fate to this point. I don't think she, well, obviously, I don't think she will... We don't know. Maybe she does know that this is where she's going to die. Hey, Patrick, because of because of the prophecy that they don't tell us. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. But I do think that she is showing agency. And there's a whole other interesting thing here about about the prophecy of like, yeah, you could just sit on yourself with your arms crossed to deny the prophecy. But she's believes in it, and so she's also kind of like helping it along. You know what I mean? She's not being a complete stick in the river. I think without knowing the context of the prophecy and the this history the of problem, all of it, because it's right. not in the episode, it it leaves me to believe that, um, it it makes me feel like as a viewer that like she's not choosing this because it's what right. she wants. She's choosing it because she feels like it's it's what her 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 faith is telling her to do. I think you have to headcanon a prophecy that. M- makes that make sense and I think yeah. it's there I think it's there in the episode I think you I think you and we do it all the time with other flaws in Star Trek you know yeah. so I think you can get I think I think it's easy the path out of the woods for this one is easy as a viewer but I it's so. frustrating but it's I frustrating hear I hear ya. you it just, it, when I watch it it doesn't feel that way no it's you know? because they drop the ball they just this yeah. is, that's what makes it a bad episode is that like oh I have to fix it in my head yeah yeah totally yeah no what you're saying are like good fixes and I guess like the nature of prophecy and storytelling works for me so well when you understand the, the what's behind it um, but like when you don't it just feels like somebody letting go of their free will yes I, and I feel like uh, my problem you know my problem with some people who are religious and not my problem with everyone who's religious at all like sometimes people who are religious let go of their free will and they they just allow their religion to tell them what to do and what to think or they're, they're, you well, know, the leaders of the religion or whatever. Like, here's a good example. I yeah. want to be specific because I don't want to offend people. I, I When I was in uh, middle school, I was friends with this girl, and I and we got into a religious discussion, and she started telling me all these things she does and doesn't believe. And I'm Jewish, so all of, this, all of those discussions always revolved around the fact that I was going to hell for being Jewish mm-hmm. and that, like, these people were trying to save me from going to hell. I'm like, I don't even believe in hell, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, this is really offensive to me. Like, you're basically telling me that me and everyone that I know, that I love, and my whole family are all doomed to hell because of something that's not related to us at all, you right. know? And it's just very, very frustrating and very offensive. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I started asking her questions about what she believed, and every answer was, 
the Bible says this, or right. the Bible says that, or right. my pastor says this. Right. Every answer. Right. And then I finally asked her, well, do you believe in aliens? Because, like, that's a very important question to me as a sci-fi nerd and as a, as a middle school kid. Yeah. Like, if you believe in aliens, then you're probably cool, you know? Like, and I'm trying to I'm find sorry, some... I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm find picturing some... this really intense conversation between fifth graders, and then <laughs> Jesse, like, do you believe in aliens? And then he said, like, this is a very important this question. This is the last question She's I'm asking you. She's talking about, like, her religion. Yeah. But her that's, God. like, my religion, know, you know? Like, that's what's Star Trek sci-fi nerd, you know, that's like... That's why it made me laugh. I yeah. just pictured the little kids having... Their, yeah, totally. Their and this, whole, this whole story is ridiculous. No, but, I love it. I love but, it. So I asked her, like, do you believe in aliens? And her response to me was, I don't know. I have to go check. Right. Is, 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 I have is to it, go ask my pastor and check the Bible. Right. Is it in the Bible or not? Right. Yeah. So that mindset really bothers me. And I actually... Uh, I studied, uh, I was a religious studies minor in college, and it really helped me kind of put a lot of this into, like, terms. Uh, but we talked a lot, like, Religion 101, we talked a lot about different types of religious people, and sure. one of them is people of blind faith. Blind faith, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there's the people who are, people who've questioned their faith and struggled with their faith and come to something that is individual to them, that works for them. Right. And that I very deeply respect. Right. Like, it's not that I don't respect religion at all, it's that, you know, if, if you're going to be religious, you know... Don't be of blind faith. Like right. question your question yourself, question your reality, not just about religion, but about everything. Like, you know, if pe- if everyone around you is pressuring you to be straight, you got to ask yourself, "Am I straight?" You got to find out. Because if you're gay, you gotta you gotta get with some dudes. Otherwise, you'll never be happy. You know, like you have to know yourself, and you you can't let. Um, like, like I've hooked up with guys. I've talked about this before on stream, and it, and it doesn't like come up that much because I have a girlfriend that I live with. But you know, I I've I've questioned that about my sexuality, and like, I feel like, I feel like it's made me so much happier to question things and come to an answer than to just believe things about myself because that's what other people tell me to, and it, it's something that I'm very passionate about. Obviously, that I don't I don't feel comfortable with blind faith. I feel like if you follow something blindly, you are giving away your free will and you're allowing your voice to be uh, added into a chorus that is probably not in your best interest. Right. So in this case, you took Kyle Paca to be a, a woman of blind faith. Well, I think that she's presented by the show as being someone of a deep, true, um, like, question faith that she has come to, yeah. like, to I, be a very solid person and who's not not a person of blind faith. Right. But then in this episode, she acts like it. Like, the whole idea of... See, um, I, I, yeah, and I think you can... I think there's a reading of the episode of her I, not I agree being with blind you. faith. I agree with you. And I, I didn't think of it that way. And you're... you've. I mean, you've convinced me that that's an easy way to read it. But I you... Can see it I, but in I can show. see... But for you, I... That's not a thing that, like, occurs to me as, like, oh, that's frustrating one yeah. way or the other, you know? I am more of someone who is just like... Well, if you believe in anything, then I'm like, where can I poke at you to make fun of you for this? <laughs> Including myself. You know, my own yeah. boots are ridiculous. I wear, you know, magic socks that are paired uh, uh, specifically, so that's nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, like, for years on Facebook, when I was using it, my religion was the force. The force. So I obviously don't take... I Like, I've questioned a lot, and I don't take much seriously <laughs> I, I either. Think... But, like, the things I do take seriously, I take very seriously, such as, like, don't give up your free will. Like, don't... <laughs> Don't give up your voice. Like your your free will and your individuality is is the most valuable thing that you have. And I think that people should spend time learning what that is for themselves and like discovering themselves right. and like and trying to be the best version of themselves that they can. Yeah. And being living in a society where you have the freedom to do that is also like hugely important to me. Yeah. So this one triggered uh, thoughts and reactions in you that would that didn't occur to me that, that yeah, weren't like uh, that's interesting. Uh, that didn't seem as a as part of, but I totally get it. I can see how you can get to that point. 
Yeah, so that, I guess that's my biggest problem with it. Rock and RC says religion is easy to predict in a movie slash show. Yeah, and that's frustrating too. Like I, I read a book. I think it was called. I'm. I'm not. I might not be remembering this right. I think it was called The Testament by John Grisham. I think it's the only John Grisham book I ever read. But and I don't remember much about it. There was like someone who went to the jungle to visit with someone who was a missionary. And I was, like, already kind of on the fence about it, but then the missionary ended up being someone of, like, a really interesting faith, and it was, like, kind of fascinating to read. I'm like, this is kind of cool. And I wish that there was more of that, where, like, religion is not so easy to predict. They do, and they get, they, Deep Space Nine in general does more exploration of religion and faith and prophecy and all these free will later on. In much more interesting ways. Right, this episode has none of it. This, This episode doesn't explore anything in an interesting way. Right. And any, I think any... Discussions or any deep discussion or any thoughts we have on it are again, it's all us fixing it in our head or yeah. finding more in the in the script than is there. Yeah, there is so much interesting explore, exploration of religion in this show because it, basically the central premise is that like God lives right outside. You know, like there <laughs> there is a, a God door like right outside. You can look up into the sky right. and see God's door. Like God lives there, and you right. can see where He lives. Right. You know. He or she or they. They. Uh, it does seem like there's multiples of them. Yeah, like the prophets are the gods of the Bajoran faith. Right. And they've been prophesized, talked about, believed in, but never seen until the start of Deep Space Nine right. when the wormhole opens. And then their orbs, they have like physical manifestations in the world. Right. Those, those have been out there. You know, the right. Bajorans had those. They had proof of God for right. a long time. But, but now they have like direct access to it through the emissary uh, who is prophesized to be someone and may or may not be Benjamin Sisko. Um, <laughs> like, cause Kai, Kai Opaka calls him emissary in the first episode. Right. So I th- has so much interesting stuff going on there because I think that, uh, putting, putting religion into Star Trek, doing it a little more scientifically is, is the way to do it. Well, to they say, have like, to, there is evidence. So much of Star Trek, like if you watch the original series and even like within the first two seasons of TNG, Things like this, the way that they would treat religion was always like, really? Right. It (laughs) was pretty. It looked like someone had. Whenever religion came up, it looked as though someone had dropped a giant stinking turd on the bridge, and everyone in Starfleet, to a person, just kind of reacted. Or it was very much like, well, some people are still stuck with this old stuff, which is which is like super disrespectful, you know, uh, across the board. And I do think that I and I get it. I totally get it. Uh, I'm very a-religious as a person, but also I can respect that other people have their beliefs. It's what you do with them that is the issue. Yeah. But TNG and all that, they didn't ever find that nuance. It was always just like these people believe in crazy sky wizards in a universe where fucking crazy sky wizards hassle the ship on a regular basis. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> uh, That's like everybody. There's yeah. The, less, less crazy sky wizards. The universe the is heads, clearly you know? and objectively filled with energy beings that can have massive powers and manipulate reality. Yet yeah. They want to shit all over anyone who believes in unseen beings that can manipulate reality. Right. So it's it's a very weird dichotomy in Star Trek. Totally. But uh, Deep Space Nine, I think, starts to address that by doing a 
deep space dive into the Bajorans and this sort of like crossroads of religion and science with yeah. with with like you're saying the gods being objectively real even though other people see them as a different thing you know yeah and and then we come to find out that the in the first episode that these objectively real creatures exist outside of normal time right. and claim to be of Bajor. Right. You know, so... What's the point of making a distinction between science and religion at that point? Immediately when you say that there's a prophecy, uh, you have to take into account that it might be real right. because you have prophets. Rules. Right. <laughs> they're actually called prophets yeah. who are real, who exist out of time and are of Bajor. So maybe they have information from right. the future of Bajor and maybe that information found its way to the past. Yeah. That's that's not a, a large leap based off of like what we know. Yeah, and so, they don't. And again, this episode. Oops, I dropped a thing that I don't need to be playing with. <laughs> so yeah, when you bring up prophecy and you have a main, like uh, not a main character, but an important character, make huge decisions based off of prophecy. We got to know what the prophecy is. We got to know how it ties in. This episode, they should have tried this episode in like season three maybe three or four this is something that could have been done better later on when they had really found their footing in terms of prophecy and the wormhole aliens and religion and exploring that kind of thing they needed to kill uh, Kai Opaka and this was just a terrible there were so many other ways in general they could <laughs> that's the only thing this episode accomplishes is the death of Kai Opaka kill her so, in a terrorist Cardassian terrorist bombing or something like yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or no kill her from a terrorist bo- bombing from a uh, a radical Bajoran who doesn't like the way she's running things. Right, absolutely. And so many other ways you could kill this character and like mm-hmm. drive the story even more. Yep. It's frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, this I, episode so, is okay, frustrating. Here, here's what... But I, I actually have a theory about what the prophecy was. Uh, Amanda likes the episode. You like the episode because we go off the station. Well, yeah, I, we, we go to that, that set, that rock set where they shoot like everything. I'm missing... Who's... Uh, hello, Patrick's up... Uh, Amanda says made season two of DS9 and is much improved. Yes. I mean, this show just gets better and better until you go inside of Bashir's mind. <laughs> and then it gets worse and worse. Like when you physically walk through his mind, which happens. No, he walks in someone else's mind and you walk in his mind. It's, they're both weird. Is Patrick, do you know Patrick? It just seems very nice. He's wishing us good things. Uh, Patrick's very nice, okay. yeah. I don't know. I'm not used to the individual. I, Amanda's the only person in chat that I know, so. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean. I'm yeah, always Patrick... worried if I say something like, oh, this person said something. And you'd be all like, all of these people are that, good though. people to know. Okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, okay, so the. Are so, we paying much attention to you? So when she decides to stay, she tells Cisco and Kira mm-hmm. to tell the Bajoran people, um, tell them that, like, I found where I'm supposed to be. Right. You know? Or like so, so the prophecy must You'll be. You'll have to leave where you think you need to be to find where you belong. Yes. Boom! I've written a prophecy. That, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think that that is the prophecy. I think that it says something along the lines of like, Kai, the Kai in this time period left her people to do what she needed to do or to be where she belonged. Right. And then if that's the case, then it's literally her saying like. The idea of her leaving is put into her mind by this prophecy, and then she makes it happen. Right. It is not like it's coming true because it was supposed to. It's coming true because she was told it was going to. And that is blind faith. It's what she did before, and then the prophecy is written about the thing that she did. Right. Well, that's... that's, So that's true. If it was like... We don't don't know the prophecy is real, and it's the actual wormhole aliens, like, recording something about her... 
Which doesn't even make sense because they don't give a shit. You know, like they don't, they don't, That's, they, well, they don't know. Now we get into the other thing of like, why are the wormhole aliens writing these things or getting so specific about yeah. Bajor? What is their inherent interest in this? I My theory is that the wormhole aliens are the future of Bajorans. I mm. think that they evolve into prophets. Like the Borg are for humans? Yes. <laughs> like, remember that episode Transfigurations in Next Generation where that guy becomes a glowing dude in a suit? <laughs> Yes. I love that episode. But basically, John Doe? John Doe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just finished watching that. It's a great episode. I love it. Um, what is that, season four? Or three? Three or four. I think it's the end of season three. Keep I think it's the episode right before Best of Both Worlds. So I feel like at some point in, in Bajor's future history, they, they evolve into some sort of energy beings, just like everybody right. seems to do. That's what everyone in Star Trek, that's your ultimate... Yeah, dis- totally, the energy being thing. Uh, and then... Um, they evolve into that and then, like, leave time behind and become the prophets. That's my theory. Oh, that's right. You made a meme of this. What does it say? Oh, it's hard to see on the thing. Uh, Let's see. Me. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. You, I just saw this on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Go go follow Doug Space Nine on Instagram because Doug puts these awesome memes up. Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that guy. Yeah, I just watched that episode. Maybe that's why I was thinking about that, because ah. I saw that this morning. Um, well, no, and it makes sense. It's uh, the wormhole aliens in a universe with all of these beings who are energy beings, who they've shown multiple times evolve from physical beings. Yeah. You know, it makes sense that the prophets would be future super evolved Bajorans. Yeah. And then it, th- this is now we're getting way off course, but then there is an interesting discussion about the circular nature of time and causality and yes totally is yeah. Kai Win does she have free will if the prophets wrote all of these things or is her free will an earlier iteration of a time loop that then comes back with prophets you know uh, right and that's now we're just getting into like we're we're adding our own mushrooms right and <laughs> having, having watched there. Babylon 5 recently who did this exact thing so well right where there's we're, like this it's, it's intentional yeah there was like this uh, prophecy about um, or no this, this this guy Valen who was the religious figure for them in Bari made a lot of prophecies and they all came true but then you find out why in the show exactly right. why they came true right. and it is so fucking awesome yeah. and so compelling it's the, it shows it's like that you, great you sci-fi. can do so good. time travel but you have to have your plan in place right it's whenever you do time travel as a make em up it's so obvious it's a make em up right you know there's yeah. no under no no reasonable person could watch the the Babylon squared episodes and think oh he just backfilled that no yeah of it's, course not it's Throughout the entire series. Oh, no, he makes sure you know that he planned this because he, like, cuts in scenes from scenes, right. everywhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, He's like, oh, totally, that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. like, remember, no, it's going to happen. You know what? Kudos it's to like you. The- he deserves, you could do whatever you want if you're going to craft this beautiful multi-season two-part yeah. gem, you know? Yeah. That's, and it's, I mean, even though I have issues with that show, that's one sure. of my favorite two-parters you have to, of any, of any sci-fi show. Like, Babylon 5 hits a crescendo in season 3 that's it does. Like really incredible yeah. uh, but it's yeah. going to be crazy too when we get to season 3 of this thinking of like the peak that Babylon 5 had hit at season 3 and where DS9 is like yeah but, but Babylon 5 kind of oh it never, crashes hard yeah it never like ma- it doesn't maintain and yeah. DS9 it maintains pretty damn hard DS9 is a nice like yeah Babylon 5 is a like 
boo! <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's in, it, which is what I love about it. Oh, the fourth season of Babylon Five is batshit crazy. Yeah, it's fun, but it's, it's wild. fun, but it is a ride. Yeah. Okay, we get we get yeah. way off track. So yeah. So anyway, so the prophecy was probably something pretty vague. Yeah. Probably saying like Kyopaka, you will Kyopaka will go find her. Or the Kai, or whatever, will like find her purpose and have to leave Bajor. So here, I, first of all, I don't think it's a generic, not a generic. I don't think it's a public, written prophecy that like other people talk about or scholars know. I think this is a personal vision that Kai was given by okay. the prophets. Okay. Something that she's carried with her her whole life. Yeah, and see, never that knew. is so much better. It's yeah. it's so much better if you have it, that scene of her as a child, like seeing the prophets, seeing the prophets, them it's like, telling her. It could be in my headcanon of this. This could be the thing that sets her on the path. To becoming like you, if you want to make this a what do we can do serialized show. So we're going to stretch this out. Now we're going to expand this to multiple seasons. I mean, multiple yeah. episodes. You can have young Kai who's like a rejects the prophets in Bajor and is just like okay, fuck but then all the, this. Then yeah. she has this vision of the prophets, and they and say the, like the the true good you will do will be after your Kai. Yeah, yeah after yeah. your Kai to this girl, and that's why she pursues being Kai. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why she feels like this is where she's supposed to be. Right. But I feel like if that's the case, at the moment where this she is needs to obviously leave her not the place to be because these people are like they've been blowing themselves apart for centuries. Like these people are, you know, this is not the situation yes, the for for like the brilliant mediator and religious spirituality. We can, fi- we can fix like, it. Saving a civilization, I could see her own people saving her own people. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because or, or finding that purpose, like. On Bajor or something, or like on the space station, but it says that she has to leave and go through the wormhole. And like, who says that this is the situation? It's her feeling that this is the one where she's supposed to leave. And it's just such a, it's so, it's such a weird episode and it's not very well produced and like the battle scenes are so lame and these people are not very well fleshed out and it just doesn't make sense that this is the fulfillment of a lifelong calling for her. I just, I can't believe that. Yeah, there's another level of it that's sad is that if, if you do take my fix and have her there because of this prophecy that her objectively real gods gave to her yeah and then still what it is is that she's in this dismal end of her life that will not end and will probably include a huge amount of suffering yeah like there's also something really dark about that yeah yeah like her life is awful from that day forward right you know and here's another failing of episodic star trek is this is it. Like we can just say, spoiler alert. Oh yeah, totally. You never go back. We to do this not planet. come back to the story. Ah, it sucks. But there could be something interesting here of like, what if she did manage to do good, or what right. if something did move forward? What if when you come back, there is this like amazing civilization that like was kind of built with her help, and maybe like she's able to help people actually die and like. I, and I hadn't thought I about it before. Know. This is this is literally right on the other side of the wormhole. I know. This is like right there. The clo- the, like, and no one goes back. No one's like, right. maybe we can fix these satellites. Maybe we can Star Trek and the shit out of this. With like all of the, with all of the, like with the holodeck and with all of the the shit that they have, the technology. Why can't they create like an artificial version of this environment that people could survive in off of this planet? They could I do feel what? like they could definitely do that. If you want, it, if they, if all of this situation exists and we have to take it at face value, the fact that they can't take them with them seems like a solvable problem. Here's another axiom of Star Trek: is that literally nothing is impossible. Yeah. So if you wanted to, as a storyteller hint to the next episode. If, as a storyteller, you wanted to get them off the planet, you could. Absolutely. And they just... And they just don't because they don't want to, to, and it feels like bad writing. Yeah. So, I think that, that, to answer your question, (laughs) 
Is that how you feel? That's why I didn't like that episode that much. <laughs> 50 minutes in. How do you feel about this episode? Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, I, I did why do we assume this was a lifelong prophecy? Oh, we're doing that to try to justify why right. Kai Win is leaving her people at like a crucial right. moment in their history. We're trying and to add weight to the prophecy. They haven't shown much of of I said Kai Win. They haven't shown much of Kai Opaka, oh, but you can get the feeling that she cares about her people. She's dedicated to Bajor, and she's a, she is a believer. She really does believe in the prophet. So the Jesse raises a very good point, which is why would she just throw it all away? to live on this planet forever or why would she even go to the wormhole in the first place knowing that this could lead to her death so the, the we imagine this prophecy this this in my mind like a touch one of the orbs and has a vision that she's carried with her her whole life that guide her to this point and that justify why she's now leaving her people basically at a crux in their history yeah yeah, which I think you kind of have to do to make the character make sense because yeah. with what you're presented of this character, she wouldn't just abandon her people. And I don't I personally am a huge fan of using your own headcanon to kind of paper over things and it's even more delicious if you can justify it like and I feel like this one if you watch it again, if you watch it again now, just the yeah. first just watch the first 10 minutes thinking to yourself that Kaiopaka had a vision from when she was a child that told her she's supposed to do this, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's all right there. I agree. I it, totally agree. It I can think work. That, I think that that's the headcanon that I love is when you can actually fix something mm -hmm. and like, or point something out. To, you've done this a couple times where you pointed something out to me that actually fixed something. Yeah, it helps like, well, That doesn't bother me anymore. We should, I would... <laughs> May, we got to talk about Discovery. I'm just, also, all I'm saying is that I'm really good at watching Star Trek. <laughs> Um, oh, Kira's faith. This is the first time they've shown her faith, I feel like, in a strong way. Oh, my she God. Can, we devastated. forgot to talk about that performance choice oh, when well, I'm jumping into Kai it now. dies. Yeah, thank you. I feel like we've summarized the episode yes. and, and why we both... You don't like it. I have... I don't like it slash mixed feelings. <laughs> but yeah, so Kira is devastated when Kai dies. Yeah. And that's the first, I think, really showing the level of of personal faith that she has and the, right. or at least not faith but attachment to this religion right where and i don't like how I, the people of bajor feel about their kai yeah and yeah. i don't think they had gotten into that before not really um but yeah what did you think of her performance i thought it for me it was too much it was like was, if if bashir's in the episode there's no one who's doing ah. bashir give me my medical bag now rayo Fantica. <laughs> he just can't. I don't know what One it is. One of my rabbits is named Rayo Fantica. <laughs> uh, I, I think he's a wonderful. I mean, I sometimes really do enjoy his acting. Yeah. But he is someone who has got to stay in his lane. And his lane is either creepy or easygoing, cocky charm. And you know, it's interesting. I, I was uh, re watching recently some of the Tiny Baby Talk Show. Doug and I met through doing this live. Uh, it was basically like a, a web series, TV sitcom, live chat show. chat show, talk show thing. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Tiny um, Baby Talk Show. Tiny Baby Talk Show. Uh, so I was watching some of that recently. It was so funny to see you in that because like, we didn't know each other that right, well. Right, you're just some dude like, back. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm like, oh yeah, Doug was in that. That's weird. He's very familiar now. Um, <laughs> very familiar. Very familiar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was watching it and uh, Dan... Two people named Dan wrote that show, right, right. but the Dan DeRozier always told me that who's been on like some game streams before. You guys probably know Dan. Um, he's like told me 
many times that he didn't know how to write for me on that show. That, uh, like, I, my friend uh, Barton and I were the house band, and we wrote music every week, and that was our main function. But sometimes you'd get but we also had dialogue, yeah. and he gave me a lot of lines that like I just I didn't know how to deliver because right. it was like I I don't know what this is like you right. want I have to say this. And how do I say this? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Right, and, and he doesn't know your... Oh, Rock and Ashley watched some of that. Ah, nice. <laughs> he can't characterize you enough, or there's nothing about your personality that he can sum up in a way of like, ah, I'm yeah. writing in Jesse's voice. Yeah, he told me specifically, I don't know how to write in your voice. Whereas, like, Barton's... Barton, like, improvised so much. Well, and Barton was also just like... He was so good. Yeah, he's like... Yeah. The, he's like He is like a character. Yeah, he had a character for that part, and I didn't have one. I didn't bring one to the table, and then, like, one wasn't really written for me, so... I didn't really know what to do most of the time. Right. Um, like there was an episode that wasn't in the web. It was pre web series where I turned into a bee, oh, yeah, and then like I ended up like killing someone and coming back in covered in blood. Yeah. And I loved that. Like that one, I could totally wrap my head around. Yeah, ham it's it like, up. Yeah, just ham, like go crazy, ham it up. I can totally do that. Um, but like in general, the, and specifically on some of the web series episodes, there was lines that I had to deliver where I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And when I watched it, I'm like, I'm not very good at that. You know, <laughs> like I'm delivering those lines poorly. And I, I feel like, I feel like I should have. Well, I'm, I'm also like not an actor, so I, you know, should has nothing to do with it. But those are the lines I was given, and they weren't necessarily written for my voice, and I didn't know how to deliver them, and right. it didn't work out very well. And it really reminds me of when when <laughs> Julian Bashir goes out of his lane. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like I can kind of feel where he's coming yeah, it's from. It's a long way to get there, but I get your point. Yeah, <laughs> I am so long-winded right now. I don't know why I needed to tell that whole story to make That's that good. point. We get to tell people about Tiny Baby. Nice yeah, plug. yeah. But sometimes I feel bad, like <laughs> watching actors do things that are choices that I wouldn't make. It I, gets cringy, like when you yeah, hear it when gets you because you can you ideally shouldn't notice that someone is acting. Right, that's that should be an invisible thing. Yeah, uh, in yeah, writing, yeah. there's a guy like who, uh, and I don't know if it's his or general writing, but they talk about uh, hiding the pipe. So when you're when you, which basically oh, is like in a like, wall. Yeah, so in a in a like show story pipe, story pipe, right? Yeah. So you if you can hide it, then yeah. that's good. And Star Trek is really bad sometimes about hiding the pipe, where you're like, there it is. That's they're doing this just oh, to connect totally. to here. Absolutely, but, that is a great way of saying it because this episode is so guilty of that. Right, and the acting, and that's what Bashir is doing when you can yeah. when you can see him do his stern voice. It's like yeah, Ugh. the walls are open, the you're pipes are angry, leaking, you don't even know how to water is on angry. the floor. Like the story does not hold together. <laughs> Are there like little character moments in this episode we're forgetting? Because there's always I such did, great character stuff. That's why I was looking at my notes. So, yeah, the the Kira thing. Um, oh, here was the other note that I wrote was Kai. Kai dies, and they ask her after she comes back. Yeah, and she says like she died, and then there was nothing. Oh yeah. So that's also I was I watched on the second time I was like, oh. So even though their gods are real, which are the wormhole aliens, there's yeah. zero afterlife for. Yeah. Right. Or wow. not in a way that she can perceive. I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. And also like no vision of the prophets. Like she's someone who's connected to the prophets. Right. So she just lights out. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. interesting. That's in, that's so interesting. What an interesting <laughs> point that they, is not they talked about. And I really wish it had been completely dropped. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, should we rate this episode? Yeah, let's. let's uh, we're we're hitting at the hour mark. Let's let's put up, pull up our spreadsheet. Okay, everybody, uh, rating for this episode from one to ten bars of gold pressed latinum. Create poll. Here is your link, chat. Oh, six likes. Thank you, guys.
All right. There's your link. Doug, how do you rate this show? Uh, probably a five. Really? A five? Damn. What, is that like high? Yeah. Oh. Well, it is... Oh. <laughs> You're listening to voicemail. Um, <laughs> overdue bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's They're calling me now. Oh, nice. Yeah. That um, was your credit card number. Um... It is important to the story, uh, you know. That I think it's a, it's a load bearing episode in terms of uh, the overall arc of Deep Space Nine. The Jeffrey Banks, what's his name, Jeremy Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Uh, I did like his performance in this episode, uh, and it's it is not a good episode, but it's not it's not it's not bad bad. Um, so yeah, five. It's just like eh, okay, it's. That's a meh rating for me. I don't yeah. hate it. I don't. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't anger me. I can paper over in my mind all of the stuff with Kai. You know. Yeah. So there's there's elements that I can I can take a reading of this that makes it interesting to me, and then ignore all of the, the, the ridiculousness of the, the the magic nanite stuff. Yeah. And then still get to a five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, the the episode is supposed to be about the pointlessness of war, which. Frustrates me also. I, something I forgot to mention earlier that I was going to say is that, like, not all wars are pointless. You know, sometimes, uh, right. sometimes you find yourself in a situation where, like, someone is talking about free will. Someone is like actively strangling your free will, and sometimes you have to fight to get it back. Right. And those wars are not pointless. So, to I, I recognize that there is a trope of pointless war in Star Trek, and that it is interesting coming off of the Vietnam era. You know, like, or I guess right before the Vietnam era is when Star Trek came out. Um, right? 60... Ugh. I don't know. Was the Vietnam War before or after Star Trek? It had to have been before. Hey, what's up, John? Good idea. Poor the executed, plus we never get a follow-up. Exactly, yeah. I I really... Well, I'm actually super curious, because is is this trope something that comes out of the Vietnam War? I think that's actually really important to know. Um, but yeah, so... You, you didn't see it as war is pointless. You saw it as some people can't avoid war. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I do I do think that it, there's an interesting story to be told. And, like, you've been fighting for so long that you don't remember why. Oh, yeah. So this was... Star Trek came out in the midst of... In the midst of the war. Yeah. Vietnam War is listed as 1955 to 1975. Oh, wow. And Star Trek was 66. So Okay. Yeah, I think I actually remember reading that that episode was inspired by the Vietnam War, the Frank Orshin episode. Ah, yeah. Um, so this whole trope in Star Trek of, like, war is pointless came from a war that people were actively questioning whether or not we should be in, and which I think we should always be doing whenever we're in a war, and I think that that is important. But, again, this episode doesn't really talk about that. It, like, just presents it and then just shows that these people are stubborn assholes and then leaves them to rot with the Kai. Oh, yeah. So we didn't even... Yeah, we've said so much of our other... Uh, derivations, but that this is an interesting thing in Star Trek where they have the solution to their problem, and then they're just like, "Nah, you guys are assholes, so you're not going to get right. it." See you later. The solution is that they could give them death back. Right, they could g- k- kill them all permanently. Right. So instead, they're going to let them suffer eternally. But he's like, "Well, then we can finally kill all the Null Ennis, and it will just be the Ennis for happiness for all eternity with our broken bodies that right. should have limbs missing but don't." Which also, if they had given him that, then it would have been like, "Well, quote. Kai Win's going to be dead tomorrow." <laughs> Yeah, the whole it just doesn't hold together. It's like very unsatisfying. I am giving this episode a two. Yeah, Cisco I, also ready to break the prime directive at the drop of a hat. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's like directly interfering in the conflict of another right. planet. That's, then, that is that's, the prime that's directive. That's what he gives, he gives Bashir the like, uh, don't tell me how to interpret the prime directive. Yeah. And the chat gives us a 5.5. Yep. Wow, so chat's in pretty much agreement with you. Boom. So I'm good at watching Star Trek. Nice. Okay, so who do we want to nominate for favorite character? Oh, no one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Favorite. Kai Opaka, I gotta Kai nominate. Um, I'm gonna put Dax and O'Brien in there. I'm gonna put Kira in there. Kira. Uh, Cisco. Cisco. And. Um, Bashir, because I think those are the people that are really kind of feature in this. Oh, but well, also, and maybe uh, Jonathan Banks. Yeah. Whatever his name was. You saw this episode as you can't have it easy. Opaka was the leader who uh, kept Bajor together through the occupation. With her gone, the Bajorans now have a harder time recovering. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking about that earlier. Like this is the worst time to leave her people. So frustrating. Okay, uh, so here is your poll. Voting on favorite character in this episode. Doug, what do you think? Oh, I was looking at who he played. Golan. Golan. Golan Shela. And I don't remember ever them saying his last name, whatever. So Golan Shela sounds like a Hebrew prayer. Baruch Adonai, Golan Shela. Eloheinu May Melech all your wars be short. <laughs> May all your wars be short and fruitful. <laughs> Oh my god. That could be a Bajoran. Oh, Opaka for the blooper reaction. I have seen that. It is awesome. It is so funny. It is so funny. Um, okay. Oh yeah, we're doing favorite character. So who was the favorite character? Here's our choices that we've got. Uh, it's going to be Jonathan Banks. Really? Yeah. Uh, he was my favorite Golan. character. Yeah, I don't know if you do... You, what do we do here? What's our f- policy? Oh yeah, character. Yeah. I see Fallow up there. Yeah. And and why? Oh, just because it's, it's such a and episode. why, sir? Because <laughs> everything else about it, all the other people from the regular cast, they don't do anything of note in this one. You know, yeah. um, again, skip- O'Brien invents a magnonomer of some kind. <laughs> Skipping episodes is false trek, and you should never skip episodes. But uh, this is one that you wish you could skip, and and you can't. And so I have to judge. The regular crew, and they just don't do anything that stands out. Yeah, I I would still skip this episode and just have someone tell you what happens to Kyle Parker because it's just it's just boring. We'll it's have just, to watch. Maybe when she when Kai Win is introduced, they'll say enough. Like, maybe the previously on kind of maybe thing. yeah. Although I love Kyle Parker so much, um, and Kyle Parker is actually going to get my vote for favorite character, oh, even though yeah. I don't like what they do with her here. Right. I'm still the most interested in her out of everyone. I love that character. I think that her performance is so fucking good. Even in this episode that didn't really make sense or satisfy me at all. Like, it gets a two instead of a one because Kyle Paca's in it. And I really like gotcha, Kyle Paca. Gotcha, gotcha, well, I think that's, part that's of my good. frustration is how much I like her and, and miss her. Um, she didn't get my vote in the first episode. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, because we probably both voted for Cisco. I, I voted for Dax. <laughs> and then let's see. Porn dog. <laughs> Favorite character, Kyle Paca wins. It was close. Jonathan Banks was right behind. Me and Chat agree. Okay, and okay, chat, best, fine. best performance. Best performance. 
Okay, we got to put Kira in there for her death whale. Yeah, death, death thing. Um, um, we got to put Opaka in there. Yeah. Cisco. Cisco. Jonathan Banks. Yeah, Mike Ermalot. <laughs> Mike Ermalot. Yeah. Or Ermin Trout. Ermin Trout. It's, it's well, sounded right to me when you said that for some reason. Anyone else? Uh, the leader of the Null Ennis. I'm just kidding. He was all right, actually, yeah, for like no lines. It's but, just such a badly written scene. Yeah. What are you going to do with that, you know? <laughs> Bashir, for best performance. He's not in there. I didn't put him. It's too late. Too late. <laughs> Joke vote. I should have looked. I, I will try to remember to look at chat. <laughs> okay, best performance. Who do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Banks again. Really? Yeah. I think that he did make this A story compelling in a way that it shouldn't and didn't deserve to be, hmm. you know, but... He did not I, get me there, yeah. as good as he was. Oh, and again, this is, this is like, I mean, I have to pick someone, so it's right. grading on a scale here. Yeah, yeah, and usually, like, both of us don't line up favorite character and fa- best performance, but right. I'm also going to go Kyle Puck. Ah, yeah, what yeah. is her name? I just looked it up. Uh, Camille, C-A-M-I-L-E. Saviola. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, I just think she's so good. And chat says Kira. Woo! Yeah. Well, she has that intense, the 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 crying. It's, yeah. Scene. I for me it didn't work, but you know what? Great. Good for Kira. I believed it. I, it did. It did work for me, but it was also like that was one note for her, and not it's not her fault at all. Mm. But she just didn't get um, enough chance to do more so yeah she's i can't on, throw her the bone they're not visitors on the cover of some magazine right now ah. and every time i go to pcc it's like oh, she looks great like i saw her give a um give a, a talk at a star trek convention a q a she was fucking awesome she has she has like shock white hair now right yeah yeah, yeah. uh like dyed that color I ah, think. okay but yeah. it looks awesome yeah, i really great. i really like choice. it yeah uh, I, I love gray. I really want to go gray. I want to go gray and not bald. That, Ever since like I was a kid, goal. I've always said I can't wait for gray. Yeah. And I always wanted it to be like the, at the time, it was Reed Richards. Oh, shit. You yeah, know, the, totally. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to probably pepper you in. Might, it might happen. Right. Well, like, if it's, like, the beard is peppering yeah. in, so I'm assuming this yeah, is Yeah, your beard is, like, peppering in this way. You might have maybe, a, a maybe time. Maybe it'll be the beard that overtakes the. Yeah, you might have a time this where you're, like, Richards ing. I thought my head hair was in charge, and it cascaded down. It's really beard out. <laughs> I'm really, really been beard out recently. <laughs> okay, how many mushrooms does this episode get? Oh, yes, how many space mushrooms? Well, this episode doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, it's, it's it, like it, this is like a nine. Yeah, this is like a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, like, ten out of, it's just—it's so bad at explaining itself that it just—I have to discard it. I yeah. can't. I can't. This one has to leave my personal headcanon for the rest of the show to make sense. Yeah. It just it doesn't right. make sense. And if you if you want to have it all make sense, it's everything. It's not even like a fragile. Like we talked about some things where they're fragile. We're like, look at this beautiful thing, yeah. and then you look too close, and it all shows. Right. This is you're like, what? What happened? And you, yeah. it's, your car breaks down. You pull over the side of the road. You're like, all right, I'm going to take a look at it. You open up the hood. There's a piece of paper in there that says the word engine on it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no wonder. That was the best analogy. It just got better and better, and it landed in the exact place. That's like that is what it was it's like. Exact, yeah, it's, yeah, if you look at anything in this episode there's yeah. a writer going i don't care totally and uh, you know what i actually read about this on memory alpha this episode was not written for deep space nine it was a story idea that had been sitting on uh, michael keller's desk for for years for next generation uh, that he never really wanted to make 
Yeah. Uh, so and then you can kind finally, of see that because yeah, this is one where you're just like it's just it's a sci-fi story that's happening that the Star Trek characters are watching. Yeah, I think both of these episodes that was true. <laughs> I could see that. Definitely. The storyteller was definitely not. Oh, I forgot for we have to talk about the storyteller. Well, it's a much better episode though. Like uh, even if it's not great, it's so much better and has, the the storyteller I think has so much charm even though it doesn't quite make sense either. All right, let's let's let's, yeah, let's take up, a break. No, let's pull up the meme for this episode. Oh yes, the meme. Thank you. And then we'll take a break after the meme. Yeah. And don't forget to just search for Doug Space Nine on Instagram. Uh, Doug has been making these awesome memes based off of every episode that we've been watching. So here's this week's. You have a child, don't you? I have a little girl, Mom. Would you give this to her for me? Ugh. Maybe I can sell this garbage to Quark. <laughs> Why did she give it to O'Brien? It also never comes up again. I He's know. carrying around what would be the last an gift invaluable of the Kai. Oops. Like he could probably buy an island yeah. on Bajor with that. Yeah. You know? Totally. He could be the founder of a religion. Because <laughs> if there's one thing that we do see about the Bajorans, is they will believe fucking anything. Ugh. Okay, well, let's, yeah, let's we'll talk about another story time. Okay, we'll be right back, you guys. <laughs> All right, we're back. And yeah, you can see right there. Next time we're doing uh, Progress and If Wishes Were Horses. <laughs> I, if you notice, like, halfway through our break, that switched because for some reason it didn't refresh, even though I made a new one and uh, I realized it and switched it. Okay. Yeah. You did a lot of prep. I did. You're allowed one misstep. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I made so many missteps. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're back, and we're going to talk about uh, the storyteller. Storyteller. Episode what? Thirteen. Yeah, Netflix thirteen. Hey, Jamaican, what's up, man? So this episode is like kind of adorable. Adorable. It's like adorably <laughs> flawed. Yes. But I really enjoy it. I mean, the basic premise is that uh, there's this Bajoran village. That has this evil entity that tries to kill them once every, every season. Year. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Nadina? Yeah, once every year, basically. And they have this storyteller who, like, unites the crowd to defeat this evil village mm-hmm. smoke monster from Lost. Right. And who lives in the forest? It's but ba- comes it is out a smoke of the sky. from Lost. Yeah. What the? Anyway, um, so the storyteller dies, and he chooses. O'Brien to replace him, so now O'Brien is stuck being this, like, religious figure in this village, and then he has to worm his way out of it by getting this guy who tried to stab him the job of storyteller. He's the real... The real Syrah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's kind of adorable watching this fish-out-of-water story with O'Brien, yeah, and yeah. also you get the first real instance of, like, O'Brien and Bashir together, right? where they will become, like, this wonderful duo on the show, mm-hmm. and and finally, Bashir is not, like, horribly obnoxious in this level. Right. Level. I'm playing too much Mario <laughs> in this episode. He's actually, like, kind of, like, the character that I remember liking, you know? Just, Amanda made the point last week, like, this is the first time we see somebody call out Bashir for being annoying. Uh, Bashir, I think what she was saying was uh, Bashir is self-aware of his annoyingness for the first time, right? Uh, or maybe both. I think she said both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bashir, yeah, yeah, totally. Bashir, Bashir both things happen. he's annoying. <laughs> Bashir realizes that he's driving uh, O'Brien crazy right. and asks him, like, do I, do I bother you? Yeah. you know? Am I annoying you? Do you fucking hate me? No, sir. Oh, it's what I said. Okay, I was right here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a lot that I really like about this episode. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I really, it really bothers me that they just put this on Bajor. It does not <laughs> make sense. 
with everything that we know about the Bajoran faith and the Bajoran people, to then kind of cast them as these superstitious idiots. Wait, this, who, this village. Who, yeah, this village of people don't know that they have been duped into, you know, creating this... Mon- like, the, the monster was created by the first storyteller. Right, so how, this has been going on for decades, centuries? Yeah, we find out that the that this guy used a shard of an orb of the prophets, mm-hmm. that, which is how the only re- the only way that it ties into Bajor is all, at all is that there's a shard of the orb of the prophets. Uh, so... <laughs> He uses that to create the monster. He amplifies the bad feelings of the of it's the villagers own, to create the monster. Hatred. It's their own. It's basically Armus from the thing that killed Tashiar, <laughs> right? But in cloud form, it's like if Armus and the smoke monster from Lost had a baby, it'd be this thing. <laughs> and that doesn't make sense. Like that straight up doesn't make sense <laughs> that he used the shard of the orb of the pro- how how did he what so much of it? And then it was like, and then it comes back at the same time every year. This does not fucking make sense. And what is th- this village is just so filled with hate because it has been with them for generations because this is not the first Syrah. This has been going on. Yeah. And this this was to solve a problem where they thought the village was going to get the first Syrah thought the village was going to get torn apart yeah. by their fighting and their hatred. So now it's like a tiny little peaceful looking village. Now like, but then so now now what it, what hatred is it? Is it basically if we don't do this then. Now the smoke monster that we created is going to kill, us, kill all? us. I think so. It doesn't. It doesn't make. But sense. the smoke monster is powered by their own energy, right? Isn't I it? I don't know, uh. Th- and I don't know because it it does not make it sense. Does not. It's Therefore, so bad. it doesn't make sense. But this but really does. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Before the Bajorans will believe anything. Yeah, and it's frustrating because it sets them up to look that way. They look like real dopes. Yeah, when when they're also trying to kind of set the Bajorans up to be this like deeply religious and respectable people right. I feel like this episode harms that cause yeah and that's very frustrating canon for this you have to believe that this village is like like we have here you have just like a, an enclave of r- religious zealot isolationists you know that these are just like oh you've just crash landed in Jonestown you mm, know that yeah. the Federation came here yeah. they were well the Federation was duped because they were told this village is going to get destroyed right. unless you send somebody down here. Yeah, and what the fuck was that? Like, why did they the send doctor. their... No. That, none of oh, that, no, the setup you, didn't make sense you either, and they sent the chief sent, engineer. Right, you would have wanted to have sent the doctor. There's like an, they're like something about an atmospheric disturbance or something. I don't know. No, no, they don't even say, do they? They just say the village is on the verge of destruction. I don't, what right. did they say in the beginning? I don't remember. Maybe this is how bad Starfleet is, is that you can just call up and you dial Deep Space 911, call up, be like, oh, dude, our village is, like, totally fucked tomorrow. You hang up and they're like, I don't know, someone go down there and check it out. Yeah, let's send the most important uh, chief engineer we've got, you know? <laughs> it's like It could have been a fucking prank call. <laughs> so, yeah, it, the... the, the it's one of those things where, like, talking about Lang's story pipe, yeah. like, once again, the walls are open and the pipes are leaking water on the ground. But it's a fun episode that yeah. is, like, an enjoyable story. Yeah. It's, it's like they had this good idea for a story and they had to shoehorn it into a Deep Space Nine episode and they right. did that awkwardly. Yeah. But they used the characters well and they told a, a compelling narrative mm-hmm. and it had a... A trajectory and it went somewhere and right. it was satisfying and fun right and like seeing O'Brien like try to tell the story with the uh, giant monster behind him was really cool you know ladies and gentlemen yeah. of the village yeah and he does such a bad job and it's Once so awkward upon a time 
Yeah. There was a man who used to work at a very wonderful transporter room on a giant space boat <laughs> and then was transferred <laughs> to the mall with his nagging wife. Oh, yeah. I, was, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was, I was, uh. Keiko did nothing wrong. I was listening to Star Trek The Next Conversation. They were talking about. Um, the Wounded, which is the one with O'Brien and the Cardassians, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and his character was so different back then. Yeah. He was like, but it's I think it is actually kind of consistent because he was just a suck up, you know? Yeah, he was just like kissing Picard's ass all the time. He's like, it's the best place I've ever served, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the day that he left, the very day he left, and Picard's like, this was your favorite transporter room. He's like, it's just a transporter just room. room. Yeah. I've just been kissing up, you know? <laughs> like there is a shift that happens on day one that I think is premeditated to yeah. make him a little bit less like of a kiss ass right. <laughs> and a little bit more of like a like a I never really cared about oh, this. I've made ships in a bottle. <laughs> See? Oh, oh Brian yeah. has ships in a bottle. Yeah. Great fun. <laughs> yeah. Then Riker. Seriously? Yeah, totally. <laughs> he's never made a ship in a bottle. You know, he's just trying to get on Picard's good side. What's also funny, just to get into weird deep dives of Star Trek canon. Hi Andy. Hi, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I have a a question that needs immediate response from okay. your mother. Oh. She's at the Tau T, and she wants to know if there's anything we are in need of. Just the the one I already texted her is great. You texted? I didn't get it. Oh, I uh, she sent another text about it earlier. She sent me a separate text, not with you in it. So okay. I'm so sorry. Just the, the monkey king. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, it's fine. Like, come, come say hi. We need the monkey king. <laughs> it's my favorite tea in the world. It's from this place in Portland, the Tau of Tea. Is and that a pizza cat in yeah, space? Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> and magic socks, pizza. That's amazing. In space. <gasps> yeah. Okay, you're coordinated. <laughs> I'm into it. <laughs> wow. Um, hi, everyone. I didn't watch the episodes this week. I'm really sorry. The you holidays got away with me and... Dodged a couple bullets. Yeah. Did I, that's what I... I heard that they weren't must-sees, but... Um, yeah. but the second I, one is, is pretty fun, though. I have moments. been uh, watching a lot of TNG that we may need to talk about on another Oh, yeah, day. she watched The Inner Light oh, okay. the other day. Fascinating We episode. had a long discussion about yes. that. There's, yeah. Today is not the day, but I <laughs> I will be back. I keep forgetting that the camera's there and not yeah, here, and yeah. I keep being like, hello. Yeah. Um, anyway. Like, hey there. Can you see my eyes? <laughs> Look into my eyeballs. <laughs> or my hairline, whichever one you see first. There's just a lot of us screaming in the yes, microphone. Yes, true. We tested for that earlier. You did? We yeah. did a yell check before we started. Yeah, it was yell very check. helpful. And then we decided that it was the name of a character, Ensign Yelchek. Ensign Yelchek, come to the bridge. We need oh. some help. What do you need from me? Oh, <laughs> no, we're good. Thank you. That's all we needed. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's, and then, like, there should be a day where he's really sick. <laughs> speaks really softly and then that screws things up because they're all calibrated on him yelling yeah yeah oh man we obviously we figured it out yeah alright y'all well thanks for letting me pop in anytime pop in bye Andy pop ins are always welcome on the stream yeah oh so the the ridiculous thing we're going off into a super obscure tangent that discussion they have at the transporter about ships in a bottle it's Riker Picard uh, O'Brien and Worf. Okay. And then O'Brien is being the suck up, and then that's kind of like the joke of the scene. But in a previous episode, they showed Worf like angrily flipping over a table or something while he was trying to build a ship in a bottle. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's like, and and then I think it's 
someone comes in like Troy or someone comes in and he's clearly agitated but then they don't talk about that it's just oh, like wow. this, this is one little visual aside that was before this episode I'm positive it was wow yeah I remember both scenes. Yeah. I don't remember the order in which they happened. That's so funny. Yeah. Interesting. So anyways, yeah, that's I feel like neither here nor there. I feel like sometimes with like shows with a lot of writers where the like TNG the main arc is character development, it's not mm-hmm. like story development. Like I feel like it's sometimes it becomes up to the actor to be the one to say, "Oh, well this <laughs> right. this like contradicts what I did in this episode because I feel like those things get missed a lot." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Unless you have like a really strong had writer who's like aware of everything, right? And TNG switch had writers like three times, yeah. Before it, they got a really strong well, and now that Michael you, Pillar, you have like the the people like us and other people who are even more obsessive, where it's just yeah. like documenting every facet of Star Trek. Yeah, and it's because like oh. I, I don't think either of us are the type of like militant, angry nerds who really, you know. Like need everything to be consistent. I like to make fun of people that need it to be consistent because it's clearly not, and it never has been, and it never will be. Totally, and yeah. that's part of the part. Part of the fun is the headcanon to yeah. like force it in as much as possible. There's yeah. a great website someone has where it's like basically like fixing Star Trek, where they're for every episode or movies they've got a list of what they see as their problems, and then attempts of like, well, if you look <laughs> at it, it's like a it's like a catalog of someone's headcanon. Yeah, and some I of them that. are just like. I, you know, I don't know what you're gonna do here. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because, like, I do, I do get upset if a show betrays its own moral code. Like, there are times yeah, that Star Trek, like, like what they do with Worf's brother Kern, really bothers we'll me. We'll get to that. Yeah, the, the, the whole discussion we just had about the last episode yep. and Kyle Paca's like free will when they when they kind of ignore classical like tenets of what makes Star Trek great. Yep. I get upset, but but I don't care as much when like Worf has built a ship in a bottle I'm like right, oh right. that's funny yeah, I like to point that out because like haha you missed the thing absolutely but, like, but I don't care further than that no you know? and it doesn't matter and that's yeah. like the absolute least of the concern it's it's like the design of the Klingons you just let it go it's not relevant yeah I mean I'm, I'm still like the design the change on the Klingons was too much for me yeah, where, see, it's like it's just like the designs of the ships like the yeah. controls when you look at controls see, of that TOS I don't care you're about. just like yeah, how, they did, had to how did you that. get to space yeah. with just like four colored like buttons. even the JJ movies when you have the actual Enterprise yeah. that was the, the same exact ship and it looks completely different I'm like I, this is I like what they did with yeah, it you yeah. know this is a nice update and that's I didn't feel that way about the Klingons because I didn't particularly care for what they did with it. So sure, right. If I had liked, if you had liked the, end the result, new makeup would, the means, better, right? Then I would have been like, great. But like, I like the old makeup way better. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm I justify the means across the board. I don't need the ends to justify it. I feel like and, that's and I'm convinced that they did that just to hide Ash Tyler sure, in Klingon makeup. Sure. I'm convinced. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's yeah, a fair. Discovery is still a trash fire. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay, so the B plot in this episode is is actually pretty great. Yeah, yeah. it's it's Nog and Jake together again mm-hmm. and they are teaching this young ruler the tetrarch of some uh like the paku and oh, the right, actually there's there's in a way there's like two and a half stories in this one there's the storyteller yeah then there's the tetrarch and then there's because that is its own story right but then also jake and nog like yeah the 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 like tetrarch the, and the jake and nog friendship and flirtation yeah because those girl. are yeah interweaving stories yeah totally they, and they both kind of have arcs yeah i would i would call that all the b story but i yeah. see i totally see what you're saying that like there's, there's halves of that there's yeah there's halves of that and yeah when you get like the because you have this whole series of scenes with the tetrarch meeting with the other guy to talk about you know border disputes 
And those scenes feel very separate and feel like a completely different arc from Jake and Nog right. making it, friends with her and teaching her about like yeah. being willing to um, to make compromise. Right. Like compromise doesn't always make you weak. And those are those are like mechanical elements to drive the uh, her into the Jake and Nog plot. Yeah, you know those are those just sort of happen. This is hidden pipe. Yes, well, this, they have actually drywalled over this yeah, pipe. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. I'm so it, proud of it, them. It works well. Yeah, the 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 dispute is is believable and yes. fits so beautifully within the the fabric what of we know about Bajor yeah. and the yeah, solution totally. to it works. Nog's yeah, participation in the solution is brilliant. It's so good because yeah. this is the first real example of using the Ferengi ethos for good. Yeah. Where like if you have a disagreement with somebody, why don't you look at what you have to gain and what they right. have to gain and find some way for you both to gain. Right. Can the free know? market solve this problem? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Can capitalism come to the rescue of this negotiation? Yeah, it's like even though greed is kind of at the base of a lot of their ideas, it's not a bad idea it's, and it works well, in this scenario. And and you know, this but, Bajor is not presented as a utopia, right? So, and, he, and, it, and the solution is not about greed; it's about it's about value. mutual benefit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that I think that a lot of greed Ferengi would be society, taken at all. I think just calling Ferengi greedy is actually a minimalization of like a lot of interesting yes. ideas about you know like commerce and balance. Say what you will about the Ferengi, but, there are a lot of good points in the rules of acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? That's what. That's I'm, I'm summarizing your argument. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that if it's Jake, I mean, it's Jake. If it's Quark talking, or if it's the Grand Negus talking, but if Nog is talking, I believe it yeah. because Nog is this like perfect example, and even Rom later on in right. the series, perfect example of how there are other types of Ferengi yes. who are still Ferengi and right. still like exist within this culture, right? Where, take, where good can come from it and like, positivity can come Klingons from it. Klingons are presented as genetically angry as a species. Yeah. And the Ferengi are not presented as genetically greedy. It's a cultural choice they're yeah. making. Yeah. They've chosen it's a cultural value. Yeah. I do feel like there's a reading that could be have that Bajorans are genetically predisposed to believe bullshit. <laughs> that they will just <laughs> swallow anything and be like, yep. Well, this episode goes a long way to proving that like the, point. The whole history of Bajor is like, this plant is now our god. <laughs> like, shit, we gotta worship this plant. Everyone listen to the coffee mug. <laughs> oh my god, fuck the plant. Give me the coffee mug. Yeah. Tell me the secrets <laughs> of the perfect brew. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot that works about this episode. Yeah. There's some very obvious and glaring things that don't. And the this episode has like a terrible rap, you know? It, it it's made fun of a lot in fan circles. It's not well yeah. regarded. Because of what is the A story based on the right. title is is right. is laughable. But it's but it's fun. And I enjoy it's it and fun. like that's yeah, what I yeah. want from a TV show is to enjoy myself. And I care more about character stuff than I do about plot stuff. Right. And there's great character stuff in this episode. Yeah. And I love that the Tetrarch, who you're supposed to kind of empathize with, as far as, like, Jake and Nog are concerned. Right. She, I think she's wrong. I think that her stance that, like, the river was diverted because of the Cardassians, so now, like, the, the letter of the law is that we get all the land up into the river and the Cardassians moved it, so now we get your land. Right. Like, that's wrong. I mean... Mm, well, I mean, it is following the letter of the law. Sure, but I think that, like, morally, and I think that, like, based off of the intent of the law, that is wrong. Oh, I, this is my other thing about Bajorans, is that, yeah, Klingons are in inherently genetically angry. Bajorans clearly are just prone to argue with each other as well. Mm -hmm. They are... The... the, the, um, the 
every time they show Bajorans, there's like factions against factions, you know? Sure. And yeah, I think that that also speaks a lot to them being right out of the occupation. Yeah, absolutely. And, like broken as a people, you know? It is interesting. I hadn't thought about it, is that both episodes are kind of about intractable combats and intractable yeah. uh, uh, conflicts. Yeah, there's like. Yeah. There's the the two villages that are fighting over the the interpretation of the law. Right. In the first episode, it's the people that are fighting the war that they can't remember. Right. Uh, And then it's the village who were so argumentative and combative against themselves that they had to be tricked into getting out of the loop. Yeah, this is totally like the John Sheridan school of politics (laughs) from Babylon 5. Let's just trick them. Whatever you think is best, just like trick everyone into doing it. Yeah. Which I don't think is 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 a moral thing to do. Like, how do you feel about it? Because this is another example in this episode. No, because I am not someone who is like the the ends justify the means. Yeah. You know, the means have to justify themselves. It's why yeah. you don't like the redesign because you think the they're they're doing exactly. it for a purpose. They're doing it to try to trick the audience, and right. it didn't work. Right. So what was the fucking point? Right. And to me, it's like now we have fucking purple Klingons, and what are we gonna do? In, in my take on that is that well, redesigns are fine. The reasons don't matter. If the redesigns are okay, then the redesigns are okay. You know? Sure. Yeah, I can see. I wish I felt that way because like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's totally like. It's so selfish of me because it's just like if I like the redesign, it's right, okay. Right, right, and if I don't like the redesign, it's not okay. But at least you acknowledge so, it. Uh, yeah, I, I do acknowledge it, but I, I feel like I feel like it's the intent of the redesign. Right. So here, the question is like: Is it okay to for the was it okay for the Sarah to trick the village into yeah getting along with each other? That's what you're saying about. I feel like I feel like maybe that's the best that the Sarah could come up with. Right. And that I I. I it's for me. That's like that's happened. Yeah, that's already happened. We have to take that. We yeah. have to take that. But now we know that that's not right. what happened. Like now we know about the trick. Right. Like wh- why don't we use our technology to fucking like turn off the smoke monster <laughs> and tell this society that like they've learned to get along together. They've and defeated they it for the last time. They defeated it for the last... Or I would just fucking tell them, like... Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, our ancestors did this, and we've decided that, you know, this village doesn't need this anymore, and we want you to know the truth. What if people have died in the past because of the attack of the smoke? You know, you're right. Just tell them that it's the last time. Someone's gonna be like, my mother because, died! Because, like, that's the type of truth that could dismantle that society. Absolutely. But ah, it's a, that's, this is a hard question because it still exists on Bajor now. For the rest of DJ's Nine, you have to understand, right? Because DJ's Nine runs for seven seasons, right? So every year, right? What is the fucking what is it smoke called? The Mardok? They call it something. Um, the Dalrock. The Dalrock. Yeah. So for you uh, shall not pass <laughs> in for another season. <laughs> so for another <laughs> six years, <laughs> the Dalrock is being fought by the Sarah. The Dalrock. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I, man, that's an interesting moral question because I feel like I feel like enough time has passed and the society has progressed enough that it would be healthy for them to know the truth. Absolutely, and that's... I think that they could maybe handle the truth. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't live there. I don't know. I don't speak for those people. I feel like I feel like I feel like I. First of all, it's not Starfleet's place because of the Prime Directive. Right. But if, if it was me in that situation, I would want to tell people. I think what I would do is I would try to pull aside like a leader or two of the community and tell them the truth and say like hmm. I want to leave it up to you guys as to whether or not we like share well, this you're, with you're, the rest you're, of the group you're, you're creating a situation where there's now going to be like the potential for a revolution 
in this yeah. village. You know, you've you've picked know. a side and you've given them information to allow them. Well, there's to, no sides anymore. It's one village. It's one you, people. You, what you've done is you've taken a unified village and created a side. <laughs> I'm I'm no lawyer, but I'm uh, pretty sure that's not covered by the Prime Directive. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories in Star Trek about people who believe something false being shown the truth mm. through science. Yes, and. It and Star dicey. Trek tries to always present that as like always good, right? That 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's not viewed with a critical eye, right? So my idea of that morally is that you have to tell people the truth. Like the right. truth is always the good thing, right? But I I really can't answer. I'm trying to answer that question, and I'm discovering all these problems with it. So I don't know. Well, I that was that question. but Bajor shouldn't fall under some of the Prime Directive stuff, right? Because it is. It's aware of the Federation. It's, yeah, you know, you're going to call down actively... our chief engineer to fix your Dalrock problem. <laughs> He's going to start telling you some science. Yeah, like, why did they... They called him for help. We've gone over this. And it's, it's because like the Syrah called... called them because he wanted his replacement so he could trick his protege into trying to no, kill somebody? I, I don't think the Syrah called Deep Space 911. I think that... I love that, by the way. Deep you. Space 911. <laughs> we should change the name of the show. Help! The Dalrock's coming! <laughs> I think it was... The the like basically the leader of the village because the Sarah is this right. like the guy shaman. Who's panicking. He's, He's like, oh, they called for a doctor. No, because Bashir inserted himself into the mission. They just called for generic help. And because, what the fuck happened in the beginning of this episode? It doesn't make sense. Okay, so here's the thing. Hold on, can we pull it up on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> or wait, pull up Memory Alpha. Oh, you want me to to read the? Well, okay, so here, let me just tell you what I'm thinking is happening. Okay, the Sarah fights the Dalrock. Night one, yeah. and then he has a heart attack or whatever, and it looks like he's dying. Right. They need him to fu- to fight the Dalrock for the next thing. The leader of the town, though, is basically like, let's just call Starfleet and see if they can fight this monster. Right. I feel like the when the leader of the town brings them in, he's like, "You've got to come immediately. This is and like, help the- this is a panic situation." He leads them to the old man for medical help. But then why wouldn't they have just asked for Bashir? Because Bashir is... That's not- what I'm saying. What did they ask for in the beginning? Like, specifically, what did they ask? Why... What did Cisco say to to O'Brien? It's, like, right in the beginning of the episode. All right. Well, you... They call for a doctor. Okay. But then they said... Then why is O'Brien... Like, O'Brien tries oh, to wait, get is, out of taking O'Brien him down there? Is O'Brien just the ferry? Is he just the... He's the just... The cab yeah, driver? I think so. And O'Brien tries to argue his way out of it because he doesn't want to go with Bashir. Because he doesn't want to sit with Bashir because Bashir annoys the fuck out of him. Okay. Um... So I think it makes sense that they call for a doctor. But, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, Amanda says, yes, Doug. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure she said it with that attitude. <laughs> That's how I read it, anyway. So, yeah, I think that they call for a doctor, and then, like, it doesn't make sense that O'Brien goes down. And that, again, like, button those things up. Those aren't Those things aren't that hard, you know? Like, have it be a mechanical issue that caused an explosion... Like, maybe some of the lightning strikes blew up a generator or something, and the village is about to lose power, and some people right, are hurt. Right. So then the two people that make sense to go down are Brian, O'Brien and Bashir. Oh, okay. The chief has been assigned to pilot a runabout to Bajor. But yeah. he tries to get an excuse, tries to get someone else to do it. Yeah, that makes no sense. Why would the chief yeah. engineer no, 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 be assigned to pilot? Right, that's the part. I thought that they had asked for him. Yeah. No, I'm very sorry, everyone. They did call DSpace 911, asked for a doctor, <laughs> and then uh, Cisco decided to send O'Brien as the pilot. Yes. When also Bashir can drive. 
Yeah, or the fucking shuttle can drive itself. I can't break. Just put it on another so. Because if no one wants to listen to Bashir, make the computer do it. I will say that this this is a huge part of Deep Space Nine, where they just use the primary cast for points right. that they have no business doing. Yeah. They'll send away everybody on the ship yeah. uh, to take care of stuff, and no one is left in charge. And it seems like they do that oftentimes because they might be a little unclear about what people's jobs are on the station, right. so they don't know how to make them interesting. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's not like Worf is the tactical officer, and like you see him back there, and you know he fires the phasers, and like Riker is the number one. Like, what what does Dax do day to day, and what does Kira do during the day? Like, I know right. what Odo and Quark do, right. and I know what. Bashir and O'Brien yeah, do. Dax's job is science. Yeah. Like, that's it. And I mean, you don't spend that much time in ops. Right. And uh, for the Kier's whole job show. is liaison. Like, if right. you ever need the story to have hey, Snapper, what's up, dude? with the Bajoran government or religion, right. then she's there yeah, for that. Yeah, totally. And she's on the... Her position on the bridge makes sense to me. In ops makes sense right. to me. And, like, uh, Jadzia is, like, the science officer. Right. So she's, like, the Spock. Yeah. But, but it's, like, it's, it's interesting because they, they've kind of grafted Starfleet positions onto a Cardassian workstation. Right, right. And and it's supposed to be different, but it's kind of the same, but it doesn't get used that much. Yeah. But then when you get to Defiant, then it makes sense. Right, because like, now they, right, they're like, you know what, maybe Spaceball was a bad idea. And they spend so much time on the Defiant Bridge, like way more than they ever did on Ops. Yeah, because now they're like, this is what we're good at. Ops is just like the walkway to Cisco's office where a lot of the action <laughs> takes place. <laughs> yeah, Dax does science. Oh, wait, wait, I uh, we missed something Amanda said. That guy tries to murder O'Brien and they shrug it off and help him. I know. Yeah. Well, um, and almost immediately, totally. O'Brien is like, whatever, bro. Yeah, O'Brien installs an attempted murderer as the leader of this village. <laughs> just because he doesn't want to be a part of it. Like, that, it's just his easiest way out. Like, that, that's a little problematic as well. But, I mean, it's hard for me to... Ha- it's hard for me to have bad feelings about this episode because it's just so enjoyable. Like, yeah. It's not good. Yeah. But well, it's really enjoyable. The other parts of it are, to me, are the enjoyable parts. The yeah. storyteller stuff is like, is hokey. Yeah, and but it's, it's just fun, and though. And yeah. O'Brien wears a robe. <laughs> it's good. I just like seeing my characters, my favorite characters, do weird shit. Like, that's why I yeah. like Buffy so much because, yeah. like, the whole premise of Buffy is like, what if they couldn't speak? Right. Or, like, what if they swap bodies? Yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah. What if there was a curse that made everyone a teenager <laughs> and starts going by Ripper again? <laughs> you know, it's great. I, I love that shit. That's, like, one of my favorite things in sci fi shows like this is that Mixing it's like a, a weird what if situation. Like, what if O'Brien was suddenly the religious leader of the village right. what they're gonna do he's gonna wear a silly robe and get someone trying to kill him i don't know it's fun yeah. i like it that's fair that's fair <laughs> we need four more likes to get to 10 nice let's do it boom, 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 boom. i say let's do it like i have any control over that i do not i never like my own videos because it just seems like i'm pushing the like button i don't know i don't i, I don't know why i don't I, it just seems weird to like my own videos it feels gross it, it feels, feels gross yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Just like, mm. it's like it's like like, I'll touch myself in my own time. I, say, I don't need to do it in front of everybody. Like your own videos with the shades down in private. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. If I needed to like my own videos, I'd make a fake account, which I have not done. At midnight, when no one's around, Jesse likes and unlikes his videos. <laughs> Crying. Just like... Tears. Like, I want it to be 26, but I feel dirty. I'm going to go back to 25. Oh, but I want it to be 26. No, I can't do it. Um, blackout curtains. <laughs> Let's get behind the green screen. I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> um, so, we have to talk about the best moment of this episode, which is uh, the practical joke where Nog makes people think that God. he's 
he's knocked Odo out of his yeah. bucket. Like, this fucking disrespectful kid picks up this man's bed and fills it with oatmeal and yeah. <laughs> spills it on Jake's chest. But it's such a good prank. Yeah, Nog is such a dick. It's such a good prank. Yeah. Like, I, I understand it's a horrible <laughs> thing to do, but he's like an immature kid, yeah. and it's a brilliant prank, and I'm so glad that he did it. Nog's characterization of this is 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 pitch perfect. It's yeah, so it's well so done. It's so good. And no, oh, Aaron Eisenberg is so good. It, he does it well. He's no, an amazing actor. When Nog is awkwardly trying to flirt with the girl yeah uh and just not being good at it but then the one moment when we which we talked about earlier when she discusses that she has a problem and then he lights up like yeah but i don't even think he's thinking of it it just he just goes into like oh i can i can do this you know yeah he can actually be valuable to her he's seeing something more clearly than she is yeah i think in that that moment based off of his cultural right point of view right he can see that this dispute is solvable. Oh, I want to know? look it up because we get another rule of acquisition in this episode. I yeah. So if someone wants to keep track, please do. I realize that I I have not made a spreadsheet for that. I've got too too much going on already. I'm not doing it. I did. Someone should though. I uh, I did. Uh, I I have it. I just keep forgetting to bring it with me here. Oh, you did. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, you do it. So now I'm, now <laughs> now I'm looking it up. Yeah, there was there was a rule of acquisition in this episode. Opportunity plus instinct equals profit. Yeah, that's the ninth rule of acquisition. Yeah. So this it's is not what, bad because that was what he was kept saying. Not bad. And, and it's a, it's solid advice from Nog. Reframe yeah. this as an opportunity. What yeah. you know? I think that that is good advice. Like if you're in a bad situation, reframe it as an opportunity. Like find a way to do something positive with it. Right. If you I, can, it won't yeah. always work. But like my example for me personally is like, I have not been able to work for a couple of years because of like health problems. Now like we have this show. Lyme disease and stuff. And now we have this show. Exactly. Like I have set up, I started game streaming because I wanted to do something that would feel valuable yeah. to not just to me, but hopefully to uh, people who are looking for something fun to do, you know, mm-hmm. cause I was going to play Mario anyway. I couldn't work. I'm like, this seems like something worth trying. Amanda's glad so, to do yeah, so I tried to make an opportunity out of my health issues, and it's been, like, this amazing thing that I love so much. And then, like, this show, you know, I, my podcast was suffering because I wasn't having the energy to get it out there. I'm like, what can I do that would be live, that'd be easier? And that's where this show came from, and this has been so much fun. Like, I'm yeah. just loving doing this so much. High five, everyone! High fives. <laughs> yeah. I heard my name, she said. Uh, Doug said a thing about you. Uh, that she appreciates us. Uh, appreciates us Doug is here. assuming that you appreciate us being here. She's here, <laughs> so. Boy, if uh, she didn't, she's... Yeah, and, like, I... Masochist. Like, I, I've had a couple things happen to me personally where, like, my health has prevented me from doing things that I really, really wanted to do, mm-hmm. and it is just so fucking upsetting. Uh, but it, is, it has also opened up pathways that would not have been opened otherwise. Like, And I, I try to hold on to that and ignore the other stuff as much as possible and just like you know try to be grateful for the good things that I have and not be upset about the things that I've missed or lost opportunity plus instinct equals profit yeah exactly (laughs) and I think that that is a very Ferengi way to be for me you know (laughs) you had a terrible day at work oh that sucks this helps yeah see I it's so weird to love hearing that because I'm sad you had a bad day at work but I'm so happy to be able to make someone's day a little bit bit better if what i'm doing is making someone's day better then i feel like it's worth doing yeah no matter what it is i sold a shower at someone recently and then they wrote back and they said that their daughter uh uh, was having a hard time at school or something like that and it's just like this little shower this is you'll be okay it's got a little narwhal in it oh yeah she loved it and then she started taking it to school with her that's awesome because it made her feel better 
Yeah, my friend Sarah has one on her uh, on her mirror that says, "We are all star stuff and farts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doug's Doug. Uh, well, your wife started this company, and then you yeah. do a lot of the design for. Uh, it's called uh, Ugly Baby. Mm-hmm. It's they've got this awesome store in Pike Place Market in Seattle. It's actually like very well known here, um, and I had actually been there many times before I knew that Doug was even involved. Uglybabyshop.com. Nice. Boom. Look at me promoing. Yeah. Although everyone knows that I type that, not you. Well, actually, let's see. Command adcom. Oh, look at this. Ugly baby. Jesse hacks the system. Check out Doug's cool analog memes. Doug's analog memes. <laughs> and then uh, I got to do like the full link. I'm so lazy. I do this sometimes. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is ugly. I was going to type in Deep Space Doug. That's not even anything. Chat, pause Ugly for a baby store shop. shop. Dot com. I'm making this link. Work in progress. Full range of progress on yeah, but stuff these, on Epstein. But it is, it is absolutely you're actually right. These things are things. I heart PNW. I want to poop on the moon. Oh my God. I love that. How I roll. These are so good. Thank you. So... Did your was your wife making? We both made them originally out of like we were making them out of resin at home at our, in like our kitchen. Have you always like written most of them or all? No, of no, no. It's or? about half. Oh, it's you about know? half. Okay, yeah. So half of hers, half of mine. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. This year, the bulk of them have been mine because she's been busy with other stuff. But for the past four years, the bulk of them had been hers. So, cool. Well, now we got a command. So, command ugly baby. We'll pull up that link. And yeah, it's really great. It's really cool, like, gifts and all sorts promo, of promo, fun shit. Promo, promo, promo. Yeah. <laughs> um, we need advertising music. Boom, 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 I can boom, sing boom. something while you talk Oh, this reminds it. me that Doug has a shop. Doug's Space Nine. For all of your analog memes, visit UglyBabyShop. Space Nine. Tom. Doug Space Nine. See, that's like double promotion. Now I'm, like, promoting this show. Promoting this, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. If you are watching this not live... Uh, I know some people do. Thank you guys so much. Oh. If you want to participate in the conversation, you can always like tell me what you think. Tell us what you think of the episodes in the comments, and we will read those in the next episode. Oh, so, well, it's like we have viewer mail. Yeah, it would be like viewer mail. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. If anyone leaves comments, because uh, I've noticed that there are some people who definitely watch this right. after the fact, or just listen to it as a podcast or whatever. If I'm talking to you right now, leave a comment, and we'll we'll check it out. I'd yeah. love to hear right. what other viewer people mail. have to think. I love it. Yeah, I mean, coming live is awesome because we can chat in person, and it's right. so awesome. But, and I can yeah. creep you out by saying by that you have... feeling your paw. Ooh, ooh what happened to your paw? <laughs> you have a dark paw. Ooh, watch um, your paw, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm distracted now. Oh, oh, my God. You had said that you're... What, the highlight of the episode for you was the oatmeal The oatmeal prank. prank. I My highlight of the episode is when... Uh, I should look up her name, but uh, the what's her name? The Petrarch. Yes, the Petrarch. The, the Tetrarch. Oh, Latoya. Hey, yes, Latoya. You were the one who told me about the previous background. So the very first episode, we had that star field going really fast, yeah. and I heard from someone that it was uh, that they had epilepsy and it was actually <gasps> uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. sorry. So they couldn't watch it; they just had to listen. So <sighs> that was actually one of the main reasons. I That's a good reason. Yeah, yeah. It. And then I found this one, which I actually vastly prefer because it's like we are in a runabout <laughs> looking like talking to deep space nine yeah totally 
Yeah, your husband had, has epilepsy. That was it was such a good point. I had to change it. Ooh, sorry, I'm glad you came back. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good yeah. to see you. And that's welcome. a good that's a good note. <laughs> totally, I love good notes. You know. Um, okay, so it's the tetrarch. it's the tetrarch, and it's Jake and his nog, and they're having this beautifully written and beautifully edited and beautifully acted multi-directional conversation. Yeah, and the the and I don't know if I can do it justice, but the peak of it is she's asking them what they're doing how they solve problems and then uh, she's like what do you do when you have a problem Jake I talk to my dad Nog me too Tetrarch does it help Jake yes Nog not really (laughs) (laughs) and and it's 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 beautiful because like each of them are having the conversation with the other yeah. and the, they overlap but they're not like Nog isn't acknowledging Jake Jake isn't acknowledging Nog because they're just so focused on this girl right yeah. right right and the, oh it's, it's so really, well done it's really well done and just yeah. the way that Nog is just like no yeah <laughs> talking to my dad does not help. you can just you're just picturing Rom you're like yeah well because we're still at sense. like whatever Rom drug using head yeah. injury Beetle, po- pre and post Beetle snuff Rom yeah. <laughs> where he's probably a terrible because he yells at Nog all the time especially in front of other Ferengi it's what, like he, Nog knows that he's not a good Ferengi and he's taking it out on his son who's also not a good Ferengi by their cultural standards right I think that I think that Rom fell. Remember, like, yeah, when, we, we, that was our theory. Because I, I think he fell from the top of the bar, <laughs> and then to deal with the pain, he started taking, taking beetle snuff. snuff. So he has a brain injury and is on beetle snuff because <laughs> he's very different. <laughs> <laughs> Started doing Vegas laugh for no reason, brother. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea, brother. <laughs> oh, uh, boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we'll find out we were stealing picnic baskets. <laughs> He's Yogi Bear. He's totally Yogi Bear. <laughs> oh my god. Well, uh, is there anything else in this episode? What did we forget? Mm. I'm uncomfortable with the idea of the, of, a, of an orb of the a shard of the orb of the prophets being used in this way. I don't feel like they had the technology to do this. I think it's just total hand waving. It's like it's yes, we did this thing that's like magic. Bajoran you might as well have a bracelet that had like a Mario mushroom on it. Yeah, where does this happen from? Oh, I got a space magic mushroom. So okay, let's just actually talk about our magic mushroom rating right now because <laughs> like that whole story. Is so out there, yeah. but then the whole other story feels like it was written by someone completely different. May yeah. well have been, and is like it feels like it's like a zero. It's like a zero, like like a a zero f- on the mushroom right, scale because the other side feels like a Babylon Five uh, UN, you know, negotiation of territory. It's like a, just a straight up like yeah, you know, uh, this could have existed in the '60s story. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, and then the other so side. So what do you do when you have like because it, it, it space a zero mushroom. and like a what like an eight space? There is no anti mushroom. It just like <laughs> if Q pops into an episode and goes, "Hey y'all, just wanted to say hi," and leaves, and the rest of the episode is a straight up trial. Yeah, uh, it's still infinite mushrooms because Q's existence changed this. So this episode brings us into like, oh, it's the weird time hole alien. Or uh, timey wimey space magic mushroom thing. So it yeah. just you're already at like an eight plus. Well, at, as the creator of the mushroom scale, I have to take your word for that. Because <laughs> I don't know if they should balance or not, but right. I feel like you're it's probably like, right. Like they, you rate they, by yeah, quality. You're, you're like, yeah. oh, the A story is good, the B story is bad. Mushrooms. It's hey, it's Jason. A, what's up, man? One drop of space magic, and then you're at infinite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Like if you if they say if you are if you're killed. You can't if you were like alive 
and then you're also killed. <laughs> yes. You're not still alive. <laughs> right, you're then right, right, killed. right. There's not like, like a little. You can't be killed and alive and then balance that out to like half dead. This isn't that's this not isn't real. Princess Bride mostly dead rules. Right. Yeah. You're either alive or dead. Yeah. So you're either complete nonsense or you make sense. Right. But once part of you doesn't make sense, all of you doesn't make exactly. sense. Exactly. Because even if exactly. the rest of you does make sense, it's a lie. Yep. 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 <laughs> That's the scale. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. Well, should we get into rating this one? And then okay. yeah, we're gonna play the game. It's I'm so excited. We got it all set up and ready. So it's we, be we're, good. we're saying on the mushroom scale, this is easily an eight, nine, or above. Well, yeah. For me, it's like. For me, it's like a seven. Seven. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Because it's, it's pretty also high. Just, it's but... just a fragment of the orb. Yeah, and it, it is a thread. You start pulling at it, and you do hit ten. But yeah. I feel like there I is a way. Fair. I feel like there is a way to make it make sense. It just doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, that's. I think that's legit. Holy shit, Jason! Oh my god! Whoa! Merry Christmas! A few days early. Keep up the great streams. Thank you, Jason. Oh, dude, thank you so much for the super chat. It's coming. Nine cat deep space. We're dancing. There's no music yet, but it always takes a second. Come on. There it is. That's like my favorite gif on the internet. I'm ruining it. I do this. The fucking uh, 90s sax jam right there. Merry a few days early. Keep up the great streams. Yeah, I don't know why the text-to-speech didn't work last time. Who said that? That was my text-to-speech bot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, her name is Majel. I named her Majel. <laughs> why does she sound like a Swedish porn star? Because <laughs> you're racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, let's straight this episode. <laughs> I'm just saying robots ain't people. Where's that? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. Mm-hmm. Create poll. Yeah. What is the rating of this episode? I do. Yeah, I've had a bot for a while. It only triggers for like a certain amount of donation, and I don't know why it didn't trigger earlier because it was the same donation. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's so lucky. Straw poll. There you go. Rating for this episode. This is a hard one actually because it's not a good episode, but I love it so much. And it's Jason actually gets a vote twice. <laughs> well, look at me. I'm right away. What a Ferengi. I'm like, eh, we're selling votes now. This isn't like Deep Space Nine logic. There are rules. Okay. <laughs> nope. This isn't. This isn't battle lines. There are okay. rules. You can buy my vote. <laughs> uh, okay. What's the rating? What do you think? Me, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah. That's, that's pretty high. Well, because the B story is beautiful. Yeah, the B story is great. Yeah, it's 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 but it's okay, if it's so good, how do you rate that though? Because like it, seven and a half. <laughs> because like of a B story in general, like wouldn't you say that an A story would maybe get like six points and a B story would get four if they were both perfect? So if this had been switched, if it was an equivalent where the A story was as good as I think the the B story is here, you know what I mean? And then the, the yeah, then the B story was the weak like okay, right. Then what would the rating be? Probably like eight and a half. Okay. So the fact that it's not the primary thing, you know. Yeah. And maybe I could erase it all together for a real strong A story. Here, it's like, it's called the storyteller. This is clearly the driving thing. This is the primary focus. And it's just like, eh. Yeah. But the other stuff was so good. Yeah. For me, the both stories are really good. Well, both stories are really enjoyable. One of those stories is good. You know what I mean? You okay? No, I was just trying That's... to like... Oh, they don't see that. That's oh. just a... 
this is my impression I, of what we can see right now. I, I paused our screen because like I don't need to be s- streaming out and in at the same time. No, that's fair. Yeah, and that's legit. I thought Doug was having a stroke. <laughs> so did I. Based I was on the really game. worried. See, we look like this. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I just have it off that screen because we're doing. This we're voting. Thing. Yeah. We're okay. Voting. So where are you voting at? Oh, this is tough for me because because I know where this show goes. I know how good it gets. And I know that there are serious problems with the storytelling of the storyteller. <laughs> right. And Pretty ballsy to do a crappy story that isn't yeah. about storytelling. Like, my enjoyment of this... Yeah, that is so... <laughs> it's so ballsy. <laughs> my enjoyment of this is like an eight. But I feel like mm. the quality of it is like a six. Okay. So, so, so what do I... So I'm going to give it a six. Well, I mean, if, it's, if you weigh them the same, you're at seven. You said it's an eight versus a six, so it splits the difference at seven. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's but like, so for you, it's not weighted. It's the execution is a six, then you give it a six. I, I feel like the quality of the episode as a whole outweighs my enjoyment of it gotcha. for the rating. Yeah, yeah, it drags it down. Yeah. The execution is just too much for you. Yeah, so I'm going to give it like a 6.5. Okay. Because I feel like it deserves a six, but I enjoy it so much, yeah. I'm going to give that 0. 0.5 back. Whenever we it. do fractional ratings, to me, yeah. that's always a sign. Bye, that- Latoya. So good to see you. Yeah. Oh, somebody left. Yeah. I constantly feel like I don't give enough attention to chat, yet whenever I talk about chat, I feel like you're paying too much attention to chat. Me? I don't No, me. Oh. I, don't, I do not know how to react on a stream to... Uh, oh. To I the, think you're doing great. All right. I mean, I'm... I got a lot of... I got, like, hundreds of hours of reading chat while playing video <laughs> games, okay. so I'm very, like... I'm very tuned into chat. They'll yell if they want, like, if they need head pats, like, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I... For me, the joy of doing Thank this you, live is Thank that, like, you. everyone else is here with us to have this discussion, and, like, I'm really interested and curious about what they're saying, so okay. I'm very tuned into chat. Okay. Um, and I will... <gasps> you can never pay too much attention to me, Doug. All right. <laughs> yeah, if I, like... Sometimes I do miss things because I get distracted or we're talking about something or I'm looking that way or whatever, but, like, I try to okay. at least read through everything. So and we're if, good. And if I see something that I that I know you're going to want to see, I'll try to point it out to okay, you. Okay, cool. But I, I say, like, re- I don't know. The, the thing that's too much is when reading chat distracts you or me from finishing a sentence. Uh, like I, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, I feel like if I'm trying to make a point and what's, what someone says in chat is off topic, I right. should finish my point before uh, I go, go to chat. That's what I try to do anyway. Good call. Good call. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Leave your paw alone. <laughs> yeah, leave her paw alone. <laughs> Get your paws off her paw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see what chat said. Keep your... Pause off me, you damn dirty prophets! <laughs> Viewing results. Oh shit, we have a, th- a three-way tie between six, seven, and eight. So, what is that? A seven then? Mm, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a seven because yeah. it's twenty-one divided by three. Yep. Okay, so chat says seven. Said you were bad at math. I don't know how I just did that. Who is our favorite character in this episode? This is tricky. Right. There's the Tetrarch. Yeah. Tetrarch. There's uh, got to be Nog. There's got to be Jake. Jake yeah. And I think I think for the first time, Bashir might earn it. And I think that O'Brien's got to be in there. Oh, sure. Uh, Odo is awesome in this episode. Like, his patience with the kids is really impressive. Oh, uh, okay. Well, if you're going to put Odo, then you're going to put in the storyteller... The, the old one or the no one? storyteller just trust me storyteller okay storyteller junior <laughs> <laughs> You're even though even though it's Sarah 
but it just, you know, I don't know. I name one of my rabbits Syrah. <laughs> the name of the episode is Storyteller, so I'm going to go with that. Yeah, totally. So this is favorite character? You throw money to get head pats. Oh, <laughs> that was very appreciated, dude. Thank you. You'd get head pats without throwing money, but it is very appreciated. Ooh. That was that was not a fart, that was the chair. Yeah, but now I don't have to do it. Yeah. Can you guys oh, hear our fart noise? This is the worst. Farting? This is bad streaming. Uh, okay, there's your poll for favorite character. Who do you who's your favorite <laughs> I gotta get new chairs. <laughs> who's your favorite character? What do you say? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I don't know. Do you have one off the top of your head? Yeah, I'm I torn. Do. I do okay, sure. go do yours um, so I can think. It's really close for me. Yeah, I Bashir and O'Brien are both in the running for me because, like, the Bashir that I like is present in this episode. Sure, yeah, the guy who's like really good at being a doctor, but not so good at at making friends. Mm-hmm. Finally, making a friend is very sweet, and I think improves his character tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not, he didn't hit on anybody in the whole episode. <laughs> he didn't like lecherously stare at anybody kept it in his pants yeah and it, that's so nice yeah. um, <laughs> O'Brien I just love his like reluctant participation right which is basically sums him up perfectly <laughs> as a character is just reluctant participant uh, Miles Edward O'Brien reluctant participant yeah. in the events of the Dominion War He's, he does make a great straight everyman yeah You're totally just like, uh, but for me it's like it has to be Nog Okay. Because I fucking love Nog. Mm-hmm. I, he's just such a great character. Uh, he's so multi-layered, and he brings depth to the Ferengi, which seems impossible. Right. And it's so much of that is like in the performance, mm-hmm. and so much of that is in the writing, because yeah. it's so clever, and it's so well-balanced. It comes together well. Yeah, so it's got to be Nog for me in this episode. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with Nog. Nice. Yep. I feel like I sold you. Uh, I was torn between doing a serious answer or a joke answer because I did really enjoy the storyteller. Uh, but Nog had such a good performance. Nog had a good performance. Yeah. Um, He's what really makes this episode feel special. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to just throw my vote away on just because I thought the storyteller was fun. Chat agrees with us. Ooh, Nog if it was both, it would have been no dough. Yeah. <laughs> or, or oh, Nog. Oh, no, Nog. no dough is better. <laughs> Okay, uh, and then let's go best performance. Best performance. Well, then of course we got to put Nog in Nog, there. Nog, yeah. Um, Tetrarch. Jake. Jake. Sheer. Bashir O'Brien. I feel like the both storytellers. I I wouldn't include. Yeah, no one voted for them as characters. Yeah. Maybe the, the second one had screen time. So I mean. Yeah. But his performance was a little stiff, you know? He yeah, was fine. You're, so what you're doing here is you're rigging the poll by choosing who they can choose. Uh, yeah, exactly. Does anyone want to... Does anyone want to vote for... I mean, if someone wants to vote for... Yeah, let's keep him off. Story and then if they want to vote... That's, uh, people are allowed to do voice votes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because like, we can add in a voice let's, vote. We should always do other as... <laughs> other? <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to destroy the validity of our spreadsheet, yes. Douglas? <laughs> no, then they have to tell us. They have to voice vote. Okay, who do you say? Best performance. It's Jesse, uh, whatever, um, Nog. Nog. Um, Aaron Eisenberg. Aaron Eisenberg. I was thinking Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, I mean, I don't like choosing the same for best performance and, and favorite character, but sometimes they are the same. Yeah, and, I and do it a lot. In this case, they are the same. 
I don't like choosing them because I like to pretend that they're two different categories. Oh, I see. I, yeah. They are two different categories yeah. because I there are times where where Kai Kai Win will give the best performance, right. and you, she will never be your favorite character. Right. Or there are there are times where Gold Ducat will like knock it out of the park, right. and he's a fucking slime ball. Yeah. So they are different categories. Yeah. But sometimes they don't feel like it. No, this was just too too well done. Yeah, it's- Aaron Eisenberg is just fucking great. He's so goddamn good in this part. It's like the I I met him at a Star Trek convention and uh the, you know remember the episode Only a Paper Moon where he's in the uh, holodeck? Yeah. That that episode is like truly deeply important to me and like special to me as like a person who has gone through health problems and mm-hmm. escaped through media and like getting to tell him in person that his performance in that affected me was so special to me. Yeah. Like, say thank you for that episode, that performance. But it's really his character as a whole is very special to me because he's just so, like, so well done as just this this young dude who's, like, growing up in this, in conflicting worlds and trying to be his own person. Yeah, yeah, Trying to just be himself. And who he is does not line up with the culture that he is from. But right. it lines up with this other culture that is appealing to him that he wants to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. And I, I totally felt like that as a kid, you know? Yeah. And it's, it is portrayed well. And yeah, it's so good. So good. Okay, so we both say... Aaron Eisenberg is sweeping it today. Let's see what <laughs> chat says on the poll. Uh, best performance, we have a tie between Bashir and O'Brien. Mm. Well, we definitely need a name for them combined anyway, because it's going to come up. Bash Brian? Let's see. Julian... Julian... Bashir, Miles, Edward, O'Brien. We gotta. Well, how do we combine their last names? Mulian. Mulian. No, that was. Uh... Mulian Bobrian. <laughs> Mulian Bobrian. Mulian O'Shear. Mulian O'Shear is good. <laughs> uh. Boolean O'Shear, Mashir, Mashir, because he's relatable and finally seems like an actor. Yeah, Boolean O'Shear. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. What's Julian's middle name? Julian Bashir. Does he have one? What's O'Brien's middle name? Edward. Oh. Jules. But that's his, like his name is that's his real name. I don't think he has a middle name. I don't have a middle name. Uh, yeah, my sister doesn't have a middle name. I'm not surprised that I thought I always thought Jules was his nickname, but this is saying was his real name, and he changed his name to Julian. I think Jules is his real name. That's what it says here. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. We don't. <laughs> now we're just reading memory. I was alpha. gonna say <laughs> we're literally just reading something. Okay, it's just us reading memory alpha. Oh, okay. Here, chat, if you want to read something... What's your middle name? $5 if you can guess. Is the M the first initial of your middle name? Who said that? Amanda. Me? Amanda? What? <laughs> who's, middle, who's asking about who's Amanda name? asked if we can guess her middle name. Oh! Uh, okay. I see. We'll get $5 if we can guess, but it but it's not... doesn't start with M, so we have no idea. Right, 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 this right. This is right. a losing game. Do we get one guess per episode? <laughs> um, okay, I'm guessing. <laughs> I want to do like a being John Malkovich, like Carousel, Anne. Oh, Going in. 
right. I, I found it through that method. <laughs> I guess that works. I always thought that was just for show. Um, that's not going to be correct, though. What do you say? No, I seem to mull about it. <laughs> hmm. That was the quietest moment of Doug Space Nine ever. It's <laughs> so true. For a show that does a yell check. It's definitely true. I never yell checked before. We did it tonight. Ensign yell check. Or today for the first time. Ensign yell check. Ensign too bridge. loud yell check. <laughs> and is your sister's middle name? I got fucking close. Oh, spooky. <laughs> I, I got close. Spook. I got close in a thing that I didn't know close was possible in. <laughs> wow. Do you got one? No, I was gonna sit. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna sit on it. I might not have one guest for another two, three streams. And we've already space mushroomed this fucker, so we're we're there. We've done it. Oh, There's, uh, yeah. Keep going. There was something I was just thinking, and now I've lost it. Oh, I was gonna say we can. Uh, you want to do video games? We can do this shit. Yeah. Are we ready, you guys? So at that point, we stopped talking about Deep Space Nine and started playing the Deep Space Nine video game on Super Nintendo. And it's not great listening, but if you want to watch it, it lives on my YouTube page. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Space Nerds Podcast. Alexandra will be back next week to talk about Black Mirror. We're getting into the first episode of Season 3, Nosedive, which is one of the only episodes of Black Mirror I saw before we started covering this on the podcast. And it was it's so good. It's an amazing episode. It's one of the reasons I wanted to cover this show on the podcast. So go watch Nosedive. It's available on Netflix. Uh, this is not one of the scary episodes of Black Mirror. This is one of the more thought-provoking episodes that examines our relationship to social media and a sort of uh, future version of social media and what it might be like and the danger of that. And I love this episode. I hope you'll check it out and then come hang out with us to chat about it next time. Um, before that, we will have another episode of Star Trek Club coming out within the next couple of days. We'll be talking about episode three of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, things are just moving ahead. We're, we're keeping it spacey. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash spacenerdspodcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!